And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. Welcome to this edition of the Hagman Report. Boy, I'll tell you, is it winter yet? Is it snow where you're at? It's winter here. And it's, it's, in fact, it's so much winter. I can't see anything. Can you see us? No, you can't. We're audio only tonight, folks. Welcome to the Hagman Report. It is Wednesday, the 13th day of December 2018. And, uh, we're just three weeks away from a new year. A lot of, a lot of information to get into tonight. I want to thank Global Star Radio Network for allowing us to broadcast on their platform as well as Blog Talk Radio, BTR. Listen via BTR. And, uh, we can watch us on YouTube Live as well if you're connected via YouTube Live. Uh, we're there. Or you just can't see us. Cause we're in our pajamas. On a serious note, a lot of things to get into. Uh, first of all, I want to say that tonight's broadcast brought to you by Omaha Steaks. OmahaSteaks.com. Have you done it yet? Have you gone there? If you haven't, you got to do so. Omaha Steaks, the best. It's the perfect gift for someone who has it all. You know, the holidays are fast approaching, and you can order gift, gifts for everyone on your list with just a click of a mouse. That's what I like so much, given the fact that I don't like shopping, I don't like malls, I don't like any of that stuff. Omaha Steaks is my go-to company for all things gourmet, and they've got a fantastic deal waiting. Uh, listeners of the Hagman Report, go to omahasteaks.com, type in HH in the search bar. You won't be sorry. More on that later. Now, uh, while the nation reels, or at least a percentage of the nation reels from the effects of this special election, I guess we were supposed to be, Joe, are we supposed to be all thunderstruck and, you know, in just, uh, what's well, that's going on a, with That's that? a good question, because, you know, I see, How are we supposed to act? I've seen a lot of uh, reaction to uh, last night's special, yesterday's special election between Roy Moore and Doug Jones, and we saw, you know, celebration and cheers on on the CNNs and the MSNBCs and it's a it's a suck referendum it, against it, Trump. Suck it, Bannon. Yeah, he's a disheveled drunk, according to the GOP <sighs> establishment. Uh, but by the way, those are that was Megan McCain who said that who tweeted that. Suck it, Bannon. Don't don't yell at me for that. But yeah, and uh, you know we we see uh, many people in the media saying that you know this is an indicator of where the 2018 midterm elections are going to go, and Republicans should be scared, and they're saying this is a referendum on Trump. Uh, showing that the American people and the, you know, one of the most Republican states, Alabama, has put their foot down and this is showing us where the direction of the country is headed. Well, and it's, that it's is been, anti-Trump. It's been since, uh, this has happened. Right. But see, this is my problem with all this. To say that this was historic and, uh, you know, th- this really, uh, shows you how the country is turning away from Trump. To try to tie this election and, and say that Roy Moore lost and blaming that on the Trump agenda is very disingenuous and unfair because, as I said earlier on our daily show, they muddied the water so much with Roy Moore. This was an, a, a campaign unlike any other where you had, you know, for six weeks them battling uh, allegations from 40 years ago and then the, the questions surrounding those allegations and, uh, it was just a, it was just a big mess. 
So to try uh, to big say, mess is summarizes it nicely. Just I, in fact, I think I used that on my morning show. Since you mentioned your show, I mentioned mine. Yeah, I mean, no, I'm I'm kidding. Uh, I, I think I, I think I typified it just or described it just like that big mess. Yeah, I mean, and for for people to to say that this is an indicator of where the country is going, I mean, you label the guy a pedophile, you know, and and on a national stage for the last six eight weeks, and then. When he doesn't okay, win. What, no, 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 let me ask you this, okay? Because we get so, and I want everyone to think about this. Has is he a pedophile? I'm asking that. I'm asking that. I'm not trying to be stupid or funny. Well, the one well, allegation. What are the what are the accusations? The the one of the first ladies who came out, uh, and the only one that would I guess classify him as a pedophile, is the encounter that the one lady said she had with Roy Moore when he was 14 years old. Okay. Which was apparently, whatever, for whatever it's worth, was consensual. You know, he was looking for a wife when they apparently had some over-the-close groping. Now, she no, was 14. Yeah. The age of consent in Alabama is 16, and apparently her parents didn't have a problem with it. I don't. I didn't listen to the whole story, but um, it wasn't a problem until... You know, six seven weeks ago. Okay, what about the yearbook? I, I the yearbook, the Beverly Nielsen story. She's yeah. completely uh, her credibility is lost after she tried to uh, after she changed her story right. and said she added the things in the yearbook. And was she was she number two, accuser number two? She was or the big one. one. She was the one that really changed the direction and got the ball rolling on people. She was number two. All right. So so we've got we've got accusations of a thirty year old, roughly, or someone in his thirties, messing with or having interest in a fourteen year old girl. Right? Is right. that is that the main allegation? The other ones were but, that but wait, he wait, dated sixteen year old. Did he have sex with her? No. No. Did he do anything to her? Like I said, there was some over-the-clothes fondling, consensual. Well, I obviously, guess, obviously, I, the, the age can be. You, you cannot know. Not let me tell. You, I retract that. Withdrawn, counselor. Okay. Withdrawn. Okay. I, I, I don't. You don't know, send me emails. What's been put into this too talks about. You know, this was thirty, forty years ago. The culture of of Alabama back then. Uh, John mentioned this earlier. What would you say, John? The Dixie. What this was a few years after the. The Dixie Crat era? Uh, yeah. I don't know what okay. that is. And you get in, there's but, other I mean, things yeah. we offshoot so, can get into on this. Too, yeah. But, all right. So I don't know. Personally, I didn't like the idea of, of, of defending Roy Moore, but again, I didn't believe, uh, I, I didn't, didn't know to believe talk about the, this tonight, but okay. Well, we, it should be talked about. Um, because as I said yesterday, Roy Moore was really just the, the person behind the, the open Senate seat. It didn't look like he was even going to be able to be seated as a senator if he won. Which means the seat would have stayed uh, in Republican okay, hands. That's and the there's story. another dynamic. But don't forget that in the primary, the GOP establishment, including Trump, had another candidate selected that they got behind, which was Luther Strange. But Roy Moore beat him oh, out of the primary. Roy Moore was an outsider. Luther, Luther Strange was their inside establishment guy, or at least the one that they wanted. And so you not only had the, the left against Roy Moore, you had some of the establishment right against Roy Moore. And they spent, the GOP spent $500,000 campaigning against Roy Moore. And how much did the Democrats spend? I don't know. I bet a lot. I right. bet a lot. And, and I think there's, there's the story here too. Okay. There's a couple of issues far beyond the, what we're told. Now I think the, the, the money on the Democrat side, Soros money, DNC money, um, Backing Jones, I want to see. I want to see the books on Doug Jones's campaign. I want to see that. Well, we know there's Soros money involved. Okay, and if there's no, no, Dave Dobmeyer last night, Coach Dave. Hi, Coach Dave. Good show, by the way. Uh, yeah, look, saying 
you're you're not playing in a in a normal playing field, so you've got to not, not um, you're not he's not obligated to to really answer the accusations to and implicate it, himself. He's not obligated right. to implicate yeah, himself yeah. from forty year old allegations. Right. And and I'll be the first to admit when I when I saw the interview on Sean Hannity, I mean honestly, intellectually being as honest as I can be, yeah, you know that left me a little bit. Uh, you know, I just it just didn't well. But think about this, Roy sit, Moore. It just didn't sit right with me. But, but think of the the other side of this. You have uh, the allegations on one hand against Roy Moore, but then uh, Mr. Moore was also a champion of the the Ten Commandments and the protection of those at the state capitol building. He also right. ordered his his clerks not to issue gay marriage certificates I, I, and was and, and was and thrown that's out the for that. greater good. I mean, I agree. Yeah. And if you have, I mean, if you look at it uh, in, as far as if there was a crime that was committed, he was, you know, well beyond the statute of limitations. And in a court of law, uh, you know, they'd have to let that go. That couldn't be used. But here we are in the court of public opinion and in the, the world of politics. So I guess anything is fair game. And I, I just don't, th- I don't but, think people should take it personally. Yeah, I, they shouldn't I, be I, upset I, about I, it. Alabama I, voted. They're going to get what they voted for. And I don't think, I, I do not think that this has any implications on the Trump mandate for mm-hmm. America. I really don't. Uh, what I do think is I would take a really hard look at the voting procedures in Alabama because I believe what they rolled out in Alabama they will use on a national level. Uh, I really think that we need to take a look at what, what the process, the voting process in, in Alabama, the, the write-ins. Yeah, and Did you see how they changed? Okay, well, there were 16,000, like at 10 to 8, and then 8 o'clock there were 14,000. How does that happen? Wait, it went down? Yeah. And it was up about about twenty two thousand when uh, everything was all said and done. You know, I don't know. It, it was it was just, and there are screen captures on Twitter. And it, okay, it, okay. Well, this is stuff I'm, I'm really not going to spend a lot of time on, but no, I will no, look but, at it a little we'll bit. Look at that. And and, and there's some other yeah. things going on here. Roy Moore won't concede the election. He wants a full recount. But Alabama state officials ordered the destruction of the ballots to make a recount impossible. Controversy swirled over the mechanics of the Alabama Senate election after the state Supreme Court intervened at the 11th hour to give election officials a green light not to preserve electronic ballot records that could form the basis of a recount. A court in Montgomery, the state capitol, issued an injunction on Monday afternoon ordering election officials around the state to preserve digital images of the ballots cast by Alabama voters in the hard-fought contest between controversial Republican Roy Moore and Democrat Doug Jones. Yep, yep. And then from yep. there, it worked its way up to the Supreme Court and... um now they're allowed to destroy the ballots or the electronic uh, records, the digital records of the electronic ballots that were preserved, will instead be destroyed. And they're apparently Keep everything. They say uh, this, according to Christopher Sauter, there's no legitimate reason not to preserve the ballot images. And in a state that already has a flawed vote recount procedure and a somewhat checkered history of questionable election outcomes that the state senior official and courts have allowed this to go unchallenged uh, is questionable oh, at best, they say. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. Um, Look, okay. It, that's To me, this is not where the real attention should be drawn, in my view. In my view, where the real, I, I think everybody's eyes should be on the destruction, the dismantling of our republic but by way of the intelligence agencies. This is what I hit on this morning. And by the way, folks, listen to it via archive. I had some, I had some issues. Just to be clear, I had some issues this morning. Um, 
I ended up having to record, pre-record, and then upload it so you didn't catch it live. Uh, listen to today's broadcast, my broadcast, and I'm only taking this time out because of the issues I had this morning. They were my, it was my fault. It was self-inflicted wound on my end, but, but nonetheless, the program, so the program was actually, um, had to be uploaded. Um, but BTR is where the archive is. So, okay, so, look, the, Joe, the Rosenstein testimony today. Mm-hmm. I think they handled that with the kid gloves. There's two hours and 41 minutes of testimony on the PBS. There's a clip I have here I haven't watched yet. Jim Jordan erupts on Deputy uh, Director Rosenstein, and I have not seen that video. And I did not, I've only read what has happened there. I did not get a chance to watch any okay. of this. Well, well and, and this has been pointed out, rightly so. The, the Congress is not a law enforcement body. So we are, our law enforcement, the FBI, has been hobbled internally by people who want to see Donald Trump destroyed. Oh, yeah. And evidence of that is in right. the Peter Strzok text messages and the bias right. on the uh, Mueller probe. Our Department of Justice is has been captured. It's a captured operation. Our FBI is a captured operation. So who in the hell is going to going to prosecute these the, the the espionage? What concerns me the most is this insurance policy discussed in the office. Mm-hmm. Okay, you, you know about this. Yep. What I, is I, that I, referring to? Somebody stole my paper with the. Yeah, um, hey, folks, do, do you have you heard about this insurance policy in quotation marks that was discussed? Uh, I, I think did I give it to you or because I can't find my. No, you gave the article on uh, on Trump's lawyers want a second special counsel appointed now. Right. Uh, Jay Sekulow making the argument that a new independent special counsel should be appointed to look at the uh, Justice Department and the FBI and the roles that they played in the um, right in the election. And absolutely, they should. And we have I have a timeline of what all those messages said, but the insurance policy was. One of the ones that was looked at more closely today, and I'm going to pull up the text of that, which is pretty interesting. And if you read through these texts, uh, see... can I do something though? Sure. Okay, okay. Now I'm looking. People can't see me. I, I don't. I don't go to our YouTube page and chat. I, I don't do that often. So I'm there now. I'm looking at it now. So if you don't know, okay, listen carefully to those people in chat. Stop talking about Christmas cookies or whatever. Listen carefully. You ready? Okay. So if you don't know about the uh, reference to the insurance policy, type in a question mark. That's all you have to do because my, you know, I can't see. And if you do know, don't say anything. And I found the article I was looking for. Okay, go ahead. Mueller's investigators text messages in 2017, Mole insurance policy in case of Trump victory. Now let's go through uh, what is said here um, that has got everybody's attention. This is the Peter Strauch, and he is talking uh, to Lisa Page in a text message, which is from August fifteenth, 2016. And when he says Andy, he's referring to Andrew McCabe. Uh, This is one of the messages. I want to believe the path you threw out for consideration in Andy's office, that there's no way Trump gets elected, but I'm afraid we can't take that risk. That is Peter Strauch. Okay, perfect. Wait, wait a second. Leslie, uh, Lisa okay. Page. I just want to say, Joe, a lot of people don't know. Thank you so much for your participation in the, in the chat room. Thank you. So we need to, and, and I'm glad because I don't have a way to gauge, we don't have a way to gauge any of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Let's set this up properly. 
there was a conversation held in Andrew McCabe's office, right? We believe it's McCabe. It's only referenced as Andrew. Or was Andy. it? Andy. Andy. Okay. But we know that, that, uh, Straug has a very close relationship with Andrew McCabe and that he, this is how he refers to him. Okay. It. Do we have the text or yes. the reference? Okay. So now from this meeting in, the, in McCabe, uh, reportedly Andy McCabe, now this is. That's where he says, I want to believe the path you threw out for our consideration and Andy. Yes. That there's no way Trump gets elected, but I'm afraid we can't take that risk. Then it said, it's like an insurance policy. In the unlikely event, you die before you're 40. And, okay. uh, it goes on from there. No, he's equating, uh, in other words, this insurance policy is, you know, chances are Trump is not going to win. Uh, but just in case he does, we have to, we, we have, have to have an insurance, an insurance policy. policy. And that's what the article goes on to ask. What would this, just what would this insurance policy be? An attempt to allege collusion with Ru- Russian propagandists or something more? The rest of the anti-Trump bias in the message strings might be less of an issue only because it's not clear whether Mueller's probe will result in any real action against Trump anyway. But it really goes back to, um, you know, to, to see how pro-Hillary and anti-Trump this Strauch was and then to understand the roles that he played in the whole Hillary Clinton, Huma Abedin uh, investigation. And it is uh, unbelievable. I mean, he's literally the guy who changed gross negligence into extremely careless that Comey used as an excuse to exonerate Hillary Clinton. And he has now, we have 375 of the text messages of ten thousand of over 10,000 messages in total. And 375 three republic. Years. We'd have to wait three years to get those. Yeah. That's BS, but go ahead. I mean, and, and there's things in here, you know, Trump's a loathsome human being. He's an effing idiot. Uh, Hillary should win. I love Hillary. Things like this, and and this goes on and on and on, and it gets worse. I mean, I'm not going to read through all of these, but you can't. It's, They're too vile. Oh, I know. Yeah, they are. And uh, you know, the the bias is so clear. And to to, to understand and to to know that this person really was the one handling the Clinton investigation, making the decisions, getting her and just basically be, cleared this, in the investigation, okay. and now he's this Strzok interviewed Hillary. Interviewed Huma, interviewed, interviewed the lawyers. Mills, right? The, the, everybody. This guy was like, he's the only employee at the at the FBI, apparently. And on the radio today, on the Sean Hannity show, on the way to the studio, I heard a former federal prosecutor who said that one thing that was really odd about this uh, investigation is that on Hillary's side, that one lawyer was used to defend four or five defendants in this case, and she said that she would. And has never seen uh, this happen on either side of the aisle for the prosecution or for uh, the defense in the case, and that judges and prosecutors should never have let that happen. But for some reason, we're, watch, we're watching a coup. Uh, this, right? Uh, we have se- we in our lifetime we we have seen assass we have seen one one assassination, a couple of attempted assassinations, and now we are seeing a full blown coup take place against the rightfully uh, the duly elected president of the United States. That's Donald Trump, and we are seeing it done by the intelligence agencies. We told you this was going to happen. You're watching it happen, and no one's doing a damn thing about it. And, and we need to put pressure on the right people in order to get somebody to do something about this, because this is taking down a representative republic. You don't have to turn that off. I'm just, go ahead. I'm not going to continue, but you get the idea. Struck, uh, the, the whole gang, you got Weinstein. Uh, Weinstein. Um, he might as well be in there. Yeah, might as well throw him in there, too. You got too many of these people, but... Uh, yeah, you got the Mueller's, you got 
the Strouks, you got the McCabe's, and then you got the DOJ people. And there's uh, some news that's been underreported. There was a DOJ. Was it the husband worked at the DOJ and the wife worked for Fusion GPS? Yeah, that's they, Bruce Orr, who is four doors down from from uh, Andrew uh, Weissman or Peter Strzok. I can't remember which, but on the fourth floor, nonetheless, four doors down from uh, right. from, from the key man, Peter, uh, Bruce Orr. His wife Nellie worked for Fusion GPS in the summer of 2016 and in the fall. Fusion GPS. And think about this now: all these people, as, by the, the way, DOJ, as, a, as a Russian expert, no less. <laughs> of course. That's perfect. In the DOJ and the FBI, why is, is it important that we point out this bias? Well, one, because of the investigations. But uh, if there wasn't a special counsel, if there wasn't this Russia you know, collusion probe, it would still be very important. These people broke the law in order to try to get their candidate to win. Because, of course, if they help that candidate out in the process of her winning the election, they're going to have you know promotions. They're going to be looked upon as uh, you know go-to people in, in when they're needed, and that would benefit all the people who are involved who would help cover for Hillary. But to take it a step further, and to try to ensure a Trump downfall out of some twisted revenge or idea, at least from some of these text messages, uh, this guy Strauch, he in one of the messages he says, "Oh, you know, there's many ways I can save the country." Uh, something like that, like he has a god complex. But to take it that's that that much further, and, and don't forget, we're talking about married it's people, criminal. married people having a tryst. All right, yeah. ten thousand text messages between this Peter Strzok and, and, and possibly uh, another Page. phone involved, and perhaps a burner phone to, to, to hide what the tryst or the or the attempted uh, coup. Well, or it, both. It, I guess it, I guess a multi-use burner phone. If we believe what the the text messages that were released said. That it was specifically to talk about Hillary and the election, the secondary phone. All right. Well, there you have it. But so, why is he still in the FBI? Why is he well, still he's still allowed human to resources work? now? Oh boy, what a great job! He that should is. be fired. I don't understand. I mean, if the FBI has zero credibility left, but if they want to try to regain some, they can at least give the appearance of uh, of non-bias. But they're not going to do that. And Rosenstein even testified today that he still has his security clearances. So. Apparently, you know, uh, that that kind of bias in the FBI is not a problem. Well, uh, imagine if it was the other way around. Imagine if it was the other way around. Of course. I mean, they would be facing criminal charges. If this was on the Trump administration or or a Trump conspiracy, these people would be strung up. They're, you know, they're house raided in the middle of the night. Oh, gee, when when did that happen? Uh, Paul Manafort. Exactly, and that's why it is it is infuriating to see this behavior. Rosenstein, being uh, or wait a minute, Weissman. Weissman is the guy that uh, I, I was thinking of. I, I I'm sorry, I didn't mean whatever. Weissman was the guy that he's the hitman, if you will. And you know, when are we ever going to see some accountability for this? And that this brings us to a good point. When the Robert Mueller investigation wraps up, if there is a charge, it has become uh, so bad. And uh, one of the congressmen questioning. Rosenstein today made this point. I think it was Jim Jordan talked about how if there is a, a at the end of the day when the investigation is concluded, if there is a charge levied against Trump, nobody on the right's going to believe it for a second or listen to it or put any stock into it whatsoever except to say it's nothing but a witch hunt. Won't, won't no, believe it, no, they, they won't. But th- this is going to exacerbate our country. All right, now I'm just going to give give a I'm going to I'm going to just say this one time, and I'm not going to say this again because. Just because. Um, remember, um, I want to be very careful because I, I, I mentioned this this morning. 
York. He's since passed away. What a great man. What a fantastic, I mean, what a great man. I cannot say, I met him one day. I, I, I met him, I had talked to him on the phone a number of times, but I had met him and his wife one day, and he's from Ohio. And he had come to my aid, Joe, uh, as did many other people when I had an incident in 2013. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into it, but I met him before he went into a coma and, and died, and he uh, he took me out on a pontoon boat. And he, I just want to say this. If you would see his Rolodex, he, he, one of his... One of his good friends is uh, Jay Sekulow. Jay Sekulow is an attorney for Trump. It was through Pastor York that I was able to make some contacts with, and I want to be very clear, I don't want to overstate things, but um, with Sekulow's people and and Jay Sekulow. So I do know, and if if you read between the lines here, because, again, I don't want to violate any confidences, um... I kind of understand what's going on with respect to the Donald Trump legal team at the moment. Now, this is first-hand information. This is not third-hand. This is not a friend of a friend. This is not a read this on the Internet. The push right now, and uh, Jay Sekulow, I, can, I feel free to saying it because he said this, I think it was last night on air, uh, is to cooperate with Mueller but to establish a secondary counsel, special counsel. And don't. And by the way, there's a distinction between independent counsel and special counsel and special prosecutor. But to establish a special counsel to investigate not Mueller, but the FBI and the DOJ. And that's that's the attack that they're taking right now, and that's important. I just, and that's, I'm going to shut up now. Trust me when I tell you there's a lot going on behind the scenes. Yeah, there is. And we got a great guest coming up in the next segment. Uh, Kurt Schilling, the world famous former baseball player, will be joining us. How many of you guys remember the, the Bloody Sock? No, we've had him on before. And he's got his own show on, uh, on the radio, 9 to 11 each morning. And we're going to talk with him on the other side, get his opinions on what is going on in Washington, D.C., as well as his show and everything in between. We'll be right back on this Wednesday edition of the Hagman Report. Tell you a lot of stuff to get into, but have you have you ever witnessed? Uh, my question to the to the listeners out there and to the viewers: Have you witnessed a coup? You're watching it right now, whether you know it or not. The mainstream media is not covering it. The mainstream media is trying to hide the fact that there is a, a they're part a of it. Coup. Well, of course, yes. Thank you, thank you. More accurately, they're part of the coup. And people, why? See, this is this is where Peter Barry Chowka, for one, 
comes into play. People and people have taken conservatives have taken me to task, saying, "Get the hell off of the Sean Hannity train." First of all, I'm not on the train. Well, when he's right, he's right. When he's been and right. he's been dead nuts accurate, 100 percent accurate. Peter Barry Chaka, 100 percent. But see, and and, and Hannity's been Hannity, uh, correct. But go ahead. Peter has two new articles up. Uh, who is Richard Fowler, and why did he lie about Roy Moore? And then the other one from today, Fox News is number one for 2017 in news, and I hate when it does it, in all of basic cable, and uh, and was last in the ratings. Fox News was number one, and um, some of the other ratings and variables. Peter Berichalka, to his credit, has been retweeted by Sean Hannity and by President Donald Trump. And how many among us can say that? Believe me, it's it's the intellectual uh, prowess of Peter Berichalka as opposed to uh, us. We're just we just provide the platform. He provides the intellectual goods, mm-hmm. and, and there it is. It's fantastic. Kurt Schilling is coming up. Before we get to uh, Kurt Schilling, let me ask you: Are you struggling to find that perfect gift for someone who has it all as we approach Christmas? Well, look, I here's what I did yesterday, and I, I did this, and I did this well. I feel so good because I got all of my shopping out of the way. I went to omahasteaks.com, and as soon as I got there, I put HH on the search bar, and it came up with my family gift pack, a 75% savings, this wonderful gift pack. Look, the holidays are fast approaching. You can order gifts for everyone on your list with just a simple click of the mouse. Go to omahasteaks.com and input HH in the search bar. That's important. Let me tell you about Omaha Steaks. Let me tell you about how for only forty nine ninety nine. That's not a budget breaker. Forty nine ninety nine. It's under fifty dollars. You can get my family gift pack. Go go there. OmahaSteaks.com and enter our code HH in the search bar. Again, seventy five percent off. If you were to order everything uh, a la carte, it would be over two hundred dollars. I mean, it's, so this is a marvelous savings. Plus, while you're there, you can you can peruse over five hundred gourmet gift ideas. Great, uh, the most flavorful flavorful and uh, tender aged beef. I don't like stringy and hard beef steak. I, you know, I just, I just don't like that. They've got the best, and that's why I order, order from there. Age 21 days to unlock the, the full flavors. Now, here, right now, Omaha Steaks is giving an exclusive savings just to our listeners. Listen to everything right now that you'll get for under 50 bucks. Two filet mignons. Oh, and they're so good. Two top sirloins. Two boneless pork chops. Four boneless chicken breasts. And they're just, they're, they're big and they're just, oh, succulent. Four, uh, steak burgers, four potatoes off rotten, four caramel apple tartlets, and the Omaha Steak Seasoning Packet, which I want to find out what's in there because, man, whatever's in there, I, it, it's, it unlocks the flavor and it's really great. Plus four kielbasa sausages. And when you order now, HH in the search bar, you'll get four additional kielbasa sausages free. Plus it's under $50. Go to omahasteaks.com, enter mark code HH in the search bar. And again, enjoy and experience the 75% savings. It's a gift guaranteed to be a hit. And order, while you're there, order one for yourself as well and experience the joy of unpacking that. That's omahasteaks.com, HH in the search bar. But we've got so much going on. It's incredible. Yeah. And we have, uh, Kurt Schilling coming up just momentarily. I gave oh. Todd the wrong number. Oh, of course you did. <laughs> yeah, it happens sometimes. And he is the host of a, of a talk show, Whatever It Takes, with Kurt Schilling. And you can uh, get that all over the place. Talk Street Live, Breitbart, it's on SoundCloud, it's on iTunes. It's all over the place. And we are happy to welcome back Kurt Schilling. Kurt, welcome back to the Hagman Report. What's up, guys? How you doing? And you didn't give him the wrong number. I didn't get to the phone quick enough. That was my fault. 
Oh, well, we forgive you. Br- brother, uh, you, you, your show is just going gangbusters, right? Uh, yeah, we're doing so- well. Yeah, thank you. T- tell us about uh, how people can well, listen to you. Where it's a, it's an opportunity. You know, we live in a world where uh, apparently your job is uh, defines what you're allowed to talk about. Uh, because it, you know, I, I'm I play professional baseball for about twenty some years, and uh, I'm not supposed to be talking about politics. Uh, stick to baseball. Stick to you know. It's it's. It, but I, I've I've gotten deeply involved in the last ten twelve years of my life in in politics and in the country really. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do coincides with the strengthening of my faith, um, and th- those two things have kind of grown together. Um, which is to say that yesterday was a very very disappointing day, obviously. But uh, but it's I get a chance every morning from nine to eleven on Breitbart.com uh, to talk for two hours uh, about anything and everything. Today I had Sheriff David Clark on. Um, I had a couple other guests this morning. Uh, my wife and I do uh, Wednesday every Wednesday we do it together. So we kind of do a, a show from a, a married couple's perspective. We just celebrated 25 years, and uh, we had a psychologist on this morning. It was a lot of a lot of a lot of fun. It's fun. I enjoy it. I like. I'm very passionate about the things I, I I'm involved in, uh, and for better or worse, and uh, it's something I get to do every day, and I love doing it. Well, that's awesome, especially getting to do the show with your wife, and congratulations on on the anniversary. Thank you. Uh, and and you had a you know your own personal experience. For those who aren't familiar, Kurt Schilling uh, was working with ESPN, and he made some political statements. They they fired him, and since then, Kurt, we've seen just the uh, with, with the NFL and ESPN uh, right. be be knocked down a few notches by the the ratings, and and they're laying off people at ESPN, and they've become right. they've they've doubled down and become more political. And I want to get your take on this because it seems like it doesn't matter what the customers want, what the uh, revenue generation is telling them. They are doubling down on this social justice warrior political correctness uh, policy that they have, and it's, it's, they're losing viewers. Well, a, cu- a couple things. First off, Mike, and I'm using air quotes when you can't see them, my political uh, rants were I commented that I didn't believe uh, men should go to the bathroom uh, in the women's rooms and women shouldn't go to the bathroom in men's rooms. Uh, sex isn't an arbitrary thing. You're born a boy or a girl, and, and that's never been in dispute. Um, and then I compared uh, radical uh, Islamic extremists to Nazis. Uh, so those two, apparently I offended some, some well-meaning members of ISIS or something. I'm not really sure, but... Uh, but that ended up costing me my job. And, and listen, I, I I began to understand after I got warned a couple times that I was working at a company that uh, had extremely liberal views. And it also began to to uh, reveal to me, uh, I, I know you guys know Dinesh D'Souza, and uh, he wrote a, a book called The Big Lie, and, and I'm sure you've, you've, you've heard about it and read it, but there's this, this uh, theory that, uh, and Hitler was one of the generators of it, that if you lie big enough, uh, people have to believe you. Um, the left has managed for about 200 years to lie uh, in, com- well, I don't even know if lie is the right word, but they presented themselves to be the exact opposite of what they are. And I began to see that, that the, the liberals at ESPN were, were the opposite of intolerant and accepting uh, and open if you disagreed with anything they said. And, they, and it got to, well, it cost me my job. And uh, we're watching, listen, in the day and age when you can call yourself uh, an anti-fascist and be a fascist, you know, what else is what else are we waiting for? What else is happening? And you know, yesterday, uh, as a Christian, I was saddened to see someone elected who believes uh, abortion up to five minutes before a child's born should be legal. Uh, devastating to yeah. me. 
Um, and, and I don't know that people understand the ramifications of that. There's a couple things, uh, and I know I'm rambling, but, but yesterday was a, a, a very big day for us uh, in, in, in a lot of ways. But I think a couple things. One thing is I, I think after this uh, tenure, Alabama will never, ever elect another liberal um, because they'll get the experience at firsthand, and I think they're going to be horrified at what they did. Um, but two, uh, the agenda that is coming out of the White House is going to is going to get stalled, and I don't blame Democrats. I blame Republicans. We've had the control that we asked for. We put the people in place we wanted, and they failed us, and, and uh, that's incredibly disappointing. Kurt, let me ask you this about uh, yesterday's special election. We talked about that pretty much the first half hour, and uh, disagreed that it's a referendum on the Trump agenda because of how they muddied the waters with Roy yeah, Moore. No. What's your What's your personal feelings on Roy Moore and what they did to him? Well, here's the thing. I don't know if you know Roy Moore. I don't. Uh, the only thing I could possibly, and I'm, again, using air quotes, know about him is what the media has told me. Uh, the, what the media has told me and the man that I hear are two very different people. Um, you know, this all started from a, and, and let's be, there was a very good point made. If you guys remember the initial Washington Post story that made the claims uh, about sexual misconduct by Judge Moore, uh, they surrounded the story. Uh, and, and here's the thing. You and I both know this. If you have claims for sexual misconduct by a ma- an adult male to a child, um, you don't need to write anything other than that story. I mean, that, that sells itself. The story that was written by the Washington Post made implications that this was a common occurrence in, in Judge Moore's life. At the time that, that, that these, these valid... Uh, accusations were made. The age of consent in Alabama was 16. Now, listen, you can agree or disagree with that. That can make you uncomfortable or, or whatever, but that was the law. And this was one one uh, young lady who was underage who's, who's come to be proven uh, as someone who can't be trusted, as someone who has lied in the past, as someone who has, uh, has misrepresented herself. And then all of the things we found out about Judge Moore uh, from the perspective of uh, the yearbook and the forgery and all the other stuff one of the one of the accusers was well, all of that is to say that uh, I don't I, I don't believe them I don't believe the media I don't believe Judge Moore is guilty now again you can agree or disagree with me but I don't believe he's guilty and I think that uh, yesterday I think I don't think Republicans turned out. I, I, listen, I also have questions about the validity of the election, but I don't want to be running around with sour grapes. There's reports that there was no, a 95% Democratic turnout, and I just don't buy yeah. that. I, I, I agree 100%. Uh, I'm right there with you on that, Kurt. Uh, I, I'm very curious about about those numbers. Go ahead. No, so 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 yesterday, and here's the thing: um, you and I, you guys, and, and myself, and all of the true conservatives in America that I know, uh, we were incredibly upset the day after Obama was elected the first time and the second time. Uh, but we all woke up, the sun came up, we we stitched our, our, our drawers up, and we got back after the work. Uh, I'm incredibly disappointed. Uh, I again, I do believe that there's there's some some issues with this election, but I woke up this morning and. And uh, the sun came up. I still live in the greatest country in the world. I still live in the kindest, most open, most uh, loving, caring, uh, accepting, diverse country on the planet. Uh, you know, so so we, we get back after it today. And I, that's what I said with Sheriff Clark this morning. You know, I, I'm, I'm, if you remember the video of the young lady who was on the ground screaming the day President Trump was elected, um, you know, like a four-year-old in the supermarket who didn't get the box of Lucky Charms, I... Uh, 
I don't do that. I, I, as disappointed as I am, uh, life still has to be lived and things still have to get done. And so you wake up this morning disappointed. And, you know, Judge Moore said something the day before the election uh, and uh, uh, was was taken that, you know, uh, things happen the way God wants them to happen. There's a reason this happened. And I don't know what it is. Uh, but I, I know in my life I've learned so many lessons by things I thought were bad that turned out to be good. Um you know, they're, they're, if you look down uh, the glass half full path, which I do, um, this opens up a lot of potential positives uh, in, in the future that maybe it, people don't realize today. Yeah, absolutely. you're absolutely right. And you, as you said, you know, those uh, things that seem bad at the time uh, can turn into positive experiences. And just use you as an example, uh, after you left ESPN, you know, you, you're now hosting your own show, which you said you love to do. And uh, I don't know if you would have done that if you would have stayed working at ESPN. So right. uh, even though in the moment things look bad, it might work out for the better in the future. Uh, Kurt, I want to ask you this. The You know, we've seen so much media, negative media attention on, on Donald Trump, I think, the newsbusters.org did a poll recently or a study recently where uh, over 90% of the coverage was negative and the, it was a disproportionate amount of, of stories. 91%. 91%. <laughs> but we, we see here, you know, the, the economy is really strong. And in, in one area that Trump's been really good at, uh, now he's looking to get this tax bill. We got the stock market. We got the GDP numbers. Do you think that the, uh, that his, if the economy stays as strong, do you believe that that will continue Trump's momentum uh, as to stay at least uh, supported by his base and maybe pick up a few more? Well, do you think the again, media attention is too, we, too we, hard? We live in a democracy, guys, and you know that. And, and so I don't, if he was a dictator, sure. Uh, he doesn't get to do things on his own. Unlike Obama, who, who passed what about four and a half trillion executive orders, um, and and our you know our elected president now uh, rescinded many of those. Thank God, um, he doesn't get to work on his own. I am so disappointed and uh, upset at at the the. the the Paul Ryans and the Mitch McConnells of the world, uh, they lied to us. The John McCain's of the world, they lied to us. They, they said one thing and did another. Uh, and, and I always was under the impression that was liberals and Democrats. But uh, we have to own that. And, and so, uh, you know, we get what we deserve. And, you know, like I said, I'm disappointed, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, and, and you, if you listen, the, the liberal media had, is having, it's a, it's like a new year. Although, you know, uh, truth be told, they didn't take a majority. <laughs> they just lost, they gained a seat uh, that they'll lose again in the next election. However, um, the here and now is, is relevant. Tax reform needs to happen quickly. Uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but, but uh, one of the things I was very focused on was the uh, national reciprocity bill that was supposed to, uh, that it is already it is ready to go in front of the Senate. It's been passed through the House. So I'm waiting for that. Uh, and I think yesterday kind of dealt a, a death blow to that in that in our Second Amendment rights. So that is incredibly disappointing. But but again, uh, after all the disappointments, um, you know what? I guess I would tell you this, uh, and I say this to everybody. As a Christian, uh, I, I'm actually rereading my Bible again. But um, I've already been told uh, how this all ends. So as upset as I get, uh, I, I can take a breath at the end of the day because I know the big guy uh, is in control, uh, and so many things that are done are done outside of my uh, understanding, and, and I have to accept that. No, you're, you're absolutely right, uh, Kurt. I want to ask you about this. Steve Bannon has taken uh, huge lumps, oh. as well as Trump in the media. Um, suck it, Bannon. Uh, that's Megan McCain. Suck it. Yeah. 
from yeah. uh, that darling Megan McCain. Go ahead. What, I, your uh, personal experience. I, what, how, what kind Steve, of a guy is he? Steve hired me. Uh, that's how I got to Breitbart. I got to know Steve. I can tell you this. Um, there is not a racist bone in the man's body. He, uh, you know, the, the anti-Semite uh, label was laughable, if only because his best friend who he founded Breitbart with, Andrew Breitbart, was Jewish. Uh, we have a desk in Jerusalem. I mean, uh, all again, the big lie. Uh, uh, paint those that you hate with the brush that paints yourself, uh, and and you can turn. The, we've been we've been uh, uh, blackballed in a sense, and we've allowed it to happen. Steve Bannon is uh, he can be uh, uh, feisty, he can be uh, he can have a lack of patience, but the man lives and breathes for the for the nation he served. By the way, which he served honorably in the United States Navy, and he was uh, an incredibly accompli- accomplished officer. Um, but nobody knows, and, and listen, the next time somebody says something negative about Steve Bannon, just ask him for one fact. Give me one quote, one comment that is factually uh, supportive. I'll tell you where I'm frustrated. Now, I'm sure you guys have been doing this a long, lot longer than I have. I'm very frustrated that I can't get people that disagree with me to call in. And, and I realize why, because every argument with a liberal ends up, as soon as I present facts, or as soon as a conservative presents facts to an argument, uh, liberals call you a name and walk away. Mm-hmm. And, and there, there's no productive uh, way to do that anymore. No, when the communication fails, uh, you know, then you see what the kind of reactions and interactions that we have today. Kurt, I want to ask you this. We see... With the Robert Mueller investigation, all the the information coming out showing how you know pro Hillary Clinton these people are and anti Trump oh. they are, do you believe there's a coup inside of the DOJ FBI as part of the deep I state? I believe, yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm with you. I, I, I'm worried about the fact that the people I trust to protect my country, I can't trust. And, and if, that, if that doesn't scare you, then, then little will. I, I'm very concerned about the fact that the, the, uh, the multi-lettered organizations, CIA, FBI, NSA, all of them, uh, I feel, uh, have an anti-American agenda in some ways, or, or an anti-Trump agenda. Uh, we, we, listen, the Democrats rigged the primary. The Democrats uh, uh, colluded, I believe, wholeheartedly with the FBI to put out dirt on President Trump, whether uh, that wasn't true. That that's the kind of stuff we read about Russia. That's the kind of stuff we read about these third world countries, these dictatorships, and it's happening here. I'm. I, I got to tell you guys, I, I am. Uh, I'm not a doomsday guy. I'm not uh, 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 you know end of the world kind of guy. But I do believe we're headed down a path of confrontation. And, and not verbal. I, I believe it's going to be physical because I believe that this uh, election yesterday is going to open the doors for uh, Democrats, as stupid as this sounds, to ask for Trump to resign due to sexual uh, harassment allegations. I think we're going to see that happen. And, and um, you know, that's going to come from the party of perversion. I mean, look, at, if I had to ask you guys the two uh, definitive uh, epicenters of the liberal universe, uh, I, I mean, in my opinion, Hollywood and the Beltway are it. Is it no? Is it a mystery to you guys that the perversion, the perverts, the the pedophiles, the the sexual ingrates, the immoral people are are spilling out daily from both of those places? No, it's not a surprise at all. And and it's uh you know and then these same people um are, are turning around and and they're the ones that are calling you know Roy Moore a pedophile yeah. and they're trying again, to get Trump again, out. Just what I said, they are with the thing that they claim to to, to hate. 
projection. Exactly. The Alinsky, you know, rule number four, the Alinsky playbook. And by the way, you mentioned something, and I think it's so um, absolutely precise. This rolling out of the sexual allegations, this sudden spurt of everything that we're seeing, it was destined to happen, but Again, the projection that you spoke of, and, and none of this, I believe, was a spontaneous or organic uh, or eruption no. of, you know, so this was planned. And again, I don't want to go too far out in the weeds, because I don't, but I don't think we have to. I think that we can just look at the facts and look at, look at the uh, calendar of events. And I think that we could see the chronology suggests that this has been planned. And, and I think this is the, the mode, mode to take down Donald we're, Trump. Right. We're seeing those, those calls for resignations against Trump, both from women in the Senate, women in yep. the House. And it is is not going to end, and and they say this trend is going to uh, increase and continue through the beginning of 2018, and those calls for resignation will continue. Uh, Kurt, what do well, you think about Jeff Sessions? Uh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, guys. I, you know, one of the things that's really worried me, uh, and again, I'm not. I, I try not to be a conspiracy guy, but if you guys remember the other day, I, I'm pretty sure you guys saw the video of the the, the Port Authority uh, man that, that that set off a, a device and was going to try yes. to kill people and accidentally didn't, and all the things that went with that. Um, I was doing a show that morning, and I, and it was amazing to me. Within uh, 120 minutes, two hours of this happening, I got to see, I knew the man's name, where he was from, what he did, how he got here, who his relatives were, uh, all of that. I also got to see uh, uh, camera footage of of the, the event. How is it that we're three months out of Las Vegas where 58 people were slaughtered? We've never seen one second of camera footage from a, of a building that's that's more surveilled than any building on the planet, which is a casino. How is it that we don't know anything about that? I mean, that those are the things that yeah. left to our own devices. People will come up with conspiracy theories, but the people that are supposed to watch us, I don't trust them anymore. No, and I wasn't going to go here with you, but Las Vegas, that's something that is, you know, right on there on the top of my radar and has been since it happened. And the, the just the lack of information, the lack of, you something know, things happened. like this happen. Yeah. Something I mean, went wrong. And, but, but, and but, there's absolutely, unequivocally, without a doubt, uh, a cover-up being had. Now, I don't know who's covering up what. Maybe it was a another Fast and Furious gone bad, or it was a uh, uh, um, a gun, uh, uh, an arms trade gone bad, or it was, or maybe it was a, I, I don't know, but something went horribly wrong. 58 people were slaughtered in the street. 58 conservative Americans, by the way, which were targeted. Um and and we know nothing. How is it that that's not a priority? How is it that the media isn't just going nuts over this? And it gets back to the same thing. The media is in line with whoever is against us, and, and, and they are uh, co-conspirators, so to speak. No, they are in line, and it's like a mandate came down from the top to the media saying, you know, back off this, don't ask certain questions, and, and uh, just let it fade away. And that's exactly what they did, and it's astonishing that we don't have any answers. Usually in something like this, you see, uh, you know, friends, coworkers of, of the perpetrator come out and tell their right. stories, You'd see, but there is none of that, no social well, media. Well, you know what came out? I don't know if you guys heard this, but yesterday, the family of the bomber in New York City uh came out uh, and, and wants to sue the government for harassment. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it, it, up is down and down is up. But here's the thing, guys. You you and I are on the same team as Christians. Uh, it, and I'm not complaining. Uh, people say it's whining. I'm not complaining. I'm not whining. But we are uh, somehow, we've been uh, uh, defined as the uh, the enemy. Uh, uh, and, and you, and, and, well, us three, as white male Christians, we appear to be uh, the most threatening thing on the planet to to, to the liberal American. I don't understand that. 
Well, it's it's just that hatred. These people hate yeah. what's good, and then, and it's what you talked about. You know how faith is so important uh, in what in what we're doing, and that's very true because th- this is a spiritual. Uh, problem at its core and that you know even though politics is what's used to to be the dividing line in this country it is you know spiritual forces of darkness at work that are driving these things and we we see that as so as so prominent today and it is only getting worse and worse that's why i feel like when the next you know real progressive takes power in the presidency we're going to be in some real trouble if we see yeah. how crazy they are today kurt i want to thank you so much for joining us his show whatever it takes is on 9 to 11 a.m on Breitbart.com, and you can get it in the podcast apps and SoundCloud. It's all over the place. But, by the way, I, we, that's mandatory show prep for us. And, and I'm good. saying that. I appreciate really that. Is. Yeah. I appreciate that. Let me just say, leave you guys with one last thought. I understand the bitterness from the left, because if all this stuff was happening in a world where you didn't have faith in God, how miserable would you be? Yeah. This is their faith. Yep. Their ideology. Yep. Miserable. Hey, hey, listen, guys. Always a pleasure. God bless, and and uh, I, I'm 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 here for you guys anytime you 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 want to join me, and I'd love to have you guys on my show as well. Well, we would absolutely love that, and we truly appreciate you taking the time out tonight. Uh, Kurt Schilling, Hall of Fame baseball player, World Series winner, uh, and all around great guy. Thank you so much, and the God show whatever you guys, it and takes. Thank you. All right, Kurt. We'll talk with you later. All right, guys. All right. That was a, a fast first hour. I mean, geez, that just went by. So so quickly. Uh, just as a quick programming note, um, John's going to be joining me for this next interview. We got a real treat for you. We're going to be joined by Tawny Cullen, and she's been uh, interviewed on a number of outlets. She is an author, and we're going to hear uh, an incredible story about miracles and faith when we come back. Then we're going to be joined by Pastor David Langford as we are each Wednesday in the third hour. And if I remember correctly, this is going to be his only appearance until the new year. So we're looking forward to hearing what he has to say. whole bunch going on today, and uh, we covered a lot in this first hour. So when we come back, we are going to sit down with our guest, and John will be with me, and we'll go from there. Stay tuned. This Wednesday edition of the Hagman Report, we had a very strong first hour. We covered news, current events in the first half hour, and then Kurt Schilling joined us. If you missed it, you're going to want to go back and listen because there's a lot of great information in there. We have this hour uh, a great guest coming on. It's it's kind of a change of pace, but it's a it's an awesome story. Uh, the author of Josiah's Fire, the Good Gift Giver, and it is author uh, Tawny Cullen who is a people lover, a marketer, writer, and conference speaker, as well as author, who brings a powerful message out of hope and restoration. She recently co-authored the memoir about her journey with her young, nonverbal son, Josiah's fire. Autism stole his words. God gave him a voice. Tawny worked 13 years at a multi-campus church in the Twin Cities of Minnesota, where she served in communication arts 
and as a ministry director. She and her husband, her, uh, her husband Joe, created an award-winning documentary called Surprised by Autism. They live with their son Josiah in St. Paul, Minnesota, where they're and destination. Now, I have not had a chance to, to read this book, but I have skimmed through this book, and it seems like it is a fascinating story. I'm not going to uh, get any more into this. I'll let her tell her. But, John, take take it away, and we'll bring her on. Well, Joe, thank you so much, and it's really a pleasure and, and an honor to be here with you all once again, particularly for this segment, because this story is unlike too many stories you'll read in your entire lifetime. The The book is called Josiah's Fire, and the title is so appropriate. This is a story, the title of this evening's show, The Intersection of Corruption and Miracles, and it's so time-appropriate for where we're at today in our country. Uh, the tagline for Josiah's Fire, Where is Hope When There Is No Hope? And this is a story about a, a couple who have a son named Josiah, and he starts out as a very healthy, normal little boy, but as time goes on, he begins to develop autism and autism spectrum disorder. Uh, parents Joe and Tawny Collin were thrust into the confusing world of autism when their toddler, Josiah, suddenly lost his ability to speak, play, and socialize. Now, Joe, this got me thinking about some of the stories we've heard of all the vaccine stuff from Vaxxed mm-hmm. and everything over the past couple of years, but this is where it gets really, I mean, this is where the Lord comes to town. Uh, the diagnosis, as I said a moment ago, is autism spectrum disorder. In their attempts to see Josiah recover and regain speech, the Cullens underwent overwhelming physical, emotional, and financial struggles, and the book documents all of that. Can't imagine. While other kids around him improved, Josiah only got worse. And, uh, Joe, I've made it through about a third of the chapters of the book, and I've, I've made some notes, and, and they really did everything they could for their son. They, they reached out to professionals in Austin, Texas, and, of course, Tawny will go into that. But this is really where it gets intense. Five years later, Josiah, who had not been formally taught to read or write suddenly began to type on his iPad profound paragraphs about God, science, history, business, music, strangers, and, yes, heaven. Wow. With that, Joe, I'll hand it back to you. I'm really excited for this interview. Well, we have our guest, uh, Tony Cullen, with us. Tony, welcome to the Hagman Report. Thanks so much for having me. Well, this is a, a fascinating story, and as I uh, just said, I have not had a chance to sit down and read the book. I've, I've skimmed through parts of it. Um, and I'm really interested, and I'm sure our audience is really interested in this story. Uh, where do you want to start? I guess if we can, let's start here. What's the difference between between autism and autism spectrum disorder? Well, it's basically the same thing. It just uh, is a longer way of saying it. Um, autism is a spectrum. Basically, they say that if you've met one kid with autism, you've met one kid with autism, uh, meaning that there are children that have um, symptoms that might be uh, very mild to very severe. Um, but at its core, autism really affects uh, communication, social socialization. Um, it can affect motor skills, executive functioning, you know, to be able to think and, and act um, with your body, sensory issues, food issues. Um, you know, it really can affect a lot of things. Um, but uh, my son is on the more severe end of the spectrum, being that he is nonverbal. 
and um, the nonverbal uh, group is about 40% of those diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder, whereas you might have some that are called high-functioning, and you've probably heard the term Asperger's. They might be very um, able to, you know, be smart, have self-help skills, um, just more socially awkward, for instance. Okay. And I want to get into the story of how you uh, you guys came to learn that your son had autism and there was something wrong. But first, I'd like to just briefly talk about the huge increase in numbers of autism cases in this country. Uh, and here you, you say at the time that uh, Josiah was diagnosed, the numbers for autism were 1 in 150. And now we have a rate that is estimated at 1 in 36 and we have a, a, a regular guest on here, Dr. Ted Brewer, who comes on all the, and talks about autism every time he comes on and how the numbers are increasing and what the projected numbers will be, which looks much, much worse. And I'd like to talk to you about what, and you say, one in five children in America have has a mental behavior or developmental disorder. How, I mean, to me, it's it's insanity. I don't even understand how this is possible. I, I, I know... Uh, it's obviously, you know, vaccines and the poisons in the food and water. But what, are you, what do you believe is happening here that is causing such a uh, rapid increase? Well, you know, I certainly um, have my theories, and um, it's a, obviously a very hot box issue. Um, people have all sorts of different um you know, things that they want to say might be causing it. The truth is there's not a definitive answer to that. Um, I know that um, myself and thousands of other stories are very much the same, and it's that uh, the type of autism that is most prevalent today is really this regressive autism, which is the kind that's not really apparent from birth. So what you have is a child who is developing typically meeting milestones, gaining words, very social, uh, you know, healthy little little baby. And then all of a sudden, um, like for us at 22 months old, he stopped looking at us. He stopped responding to his name. He started turning light switches on and off, on and off, spinning wheels on his car. Um, he, the words that he had, um, there were, I don't know, he had 40, 50 words by, by then, you know, words like mama and dada and banana. Um, they all just left, and it was like we were losing him. And it was absolutely terrifying. And so you have this situation where you're going, how could that just change? How could that just flip without any reason and um, and not be apparent at anywhere along the line? So certainly um, one of the things that is, I think it, it is uh, very important to say, what is going on? What is going on that would cause that to flip? And of course, um, I think it's I think it's irresponsible not to look at the the vaccine safety um, issues and to note that um, there really have not been the studies that look at the cumulative effect of of vaccines and the increased amount. And uh, you know, there's a lot of rhetoric out there that says that the link between autism and vaccines has been proven to not exist. And that's just simply not true. So, um, you know, I would say that those that are autism parents are about the most studied up parents that uh, you can find. They're not just trying to place blame or try to be emotional. Um, it really is something that we want to say, hey, 
There needs to be justice. What's happening to our children? And this is not going away. It's only getting worse. And, you know, 20 years ago, it was one in 10,000. And the kind of autism that's apparent at birth, which is still about one in 10,000, hasn't changed. But this regressive autism has been what's changed. So we have to really look at what's going on um, in our world and, and how is it different than before. So I only think that's responsible. However, I will say that that's not necessarily, uh, you know, the flag that I'm taking up at this point. Really what I'm saying is, you know, the spiritual side of journeying through autism. And uh, I think that just those statistics as well should really be a wake-up call for the church. I mean, are we looking at what's happening to our children and, you know, how the enemy wants to steal their voices? I mean, these are the children that are the voices of our future. And one in five, one in six has a communication disorder. One in five has a mental, developmental, or um, uh, behavioral disorder. There's something wrong. Absolutely, Tani. By, by the way, John Robertson here, uh, Doug was kind enough to let me sit in on this interview because I was so moved uh, by the story ever since you were kind enough to send Josiah's fire as well as the good gift giver uh, to us here in studio a couple of months ago. And we're always blessed to get uh, such great material. But, you know, let's we're going to dive right into the story here with you. And again, our guest uh, this hour is Tani Cullen. Uh, author of Josiah's Fire, and I personally cannot recommend this book enough. Uh, go to josiahsfire.com, uh, and there's many links there where you can purchase the book. It's available on Amazon and many other places. That's josiahsfire.com. Tony, one of the most frightening things I can think of is being a parent like Joe and yourself, and you have a perfectly healthy son, and then this this regression begins. And And if you could just speak for a moment about the 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 fear that you must have experienced and and obviously you began taking him to physicians and if you could kind of walk us through that uh and then we'll just dive right into the uh to the work that you did with him and uh we'll just tease our listeners there's a miracle around the corner tony absolutely so i think that every parent understands when you give birth you know and that baby comes out Ten fingers, ten toes, Apgar scores all look great. You just kind of breathe a sigh of relief. And um, so, you know, you start off, when you start off where it's like, okay, all is good. Um, and, you know, there are the little bumps along the way, but life seems normal, and normal is good. And then all of a sudden something happens where it's like something is very wrong, and no one can tell you why. And no one can tell you how or what it even is. And so um, when when all this started happening, um, we just mobilized as fast as we could. And, um, in fact, we went into the pediatrician, and I was explaining what was going on. And, and our pediatrician even was like, well, boys develop later than girls sometimes, and I won't worry too much. And, well, you know, let's just wait and see for another six months. And I was like, or what's the other option? Because I'm not doing that. And so we um, went through uh, about four months of testing, and we found ourselves um, finally around a boardroom table with um, a number of doctors after three days of, of intensive testing, and they delivered the diagnosis, which we already knew in our hearts was, was going to be the truth, 
and I just remember getting the folder, and on top there was a label that said Autism Spectrum Disorder. And I opened up the packet, and they started going through all the scores and everything. I just remember this line that jumped off the page at me, and it said, Autism Spectrum Disorder, no known cause, no known cure, lifelong. And there we had not even a two-year-old child, and it was like they just put a gavel down on his life and our lives. And life would never be the same again. And um, I know as a mother, and especially as a Christ follower, the, the cry, the deepest cry from my heart was, God, where is hope when there is no hope? I didn't even know, how do you even pray for this? What do you even do? Because, you know, I think like a lot of people, when you're going through, through really difficult circumstances, you have found yourself uh, oftentimes like, whew, that was close one, or that was a tough season, and then you can kind of move on with life. But this was like, this was before us, and there was no finish line. And it yeah. feels like someone tells you to just put the pedal to the metal on life, and at the same time, they've thrown the emergency brake on. So all your best resources, your energy, um, your emotions, your finances, everything just gets burned up very quickly. And everybody's life just keeps on going. And yours just gets thrown into chaos. So we mobilized. We did absolutely everything that we could do very fast. We got him into the best therapies. He went to a uh, uh, therapy um, center for 40 hours a week. You know, he, he at two years old, he was like full-time work. Um, and we did everything we could. We did biomedical treatments. I even sat with him in a hyperbaric oxygen chamber for 40 dives, if you can imagine. We really just did everything that we knew to do. And, uh, and there we were. And at age five, we got an addendum to the diagnosis, the one that we never wanted to hear. And it was that he was low-functioning and that he was severe and that he was nonverbal, and it would be likely that he would, at this point, remain nonverbal for the rest of his life. What a uh, heartbreaking story, and I, I can't even imagine, you know, the, the impact that learning uh, the news of what was going on with your son had on, on you and your family and the the financial and other uh, stresses that that can cause. Uh, just going back to the, the diagnosis, you said the doctor uh, says that boys develop later and, and to wait six months. And, and you decided to, to continue to seek other options and treatment. How important is it to, to get that early treatment or treatment as early as possible? Yeah, it's very important. You know, I think that it's uh, it's essential. And anybody who's a parent that has a child with autism, um, you know, they all have the same story, which is why does it sometimes take the professionals so long to diagnose this when we're seeing this, like, you know, at the parks? <laughs> We're yeah, seeing yeah. this in the schools, or we're seeing this, you know, at church. You can kind of spot it across the room if you know what to look for. So it's it's a little frustrating. I feel like the medical um, profession professionals, and I, I hate to make such a sweeping judgment, but I feel like they're a little behind the curve on on how to you know get things set in motion on this. Absolutely, Tawny, and you know, 
there's so many different components to the statement you just made, and you've indicated uh, much of what Joe and yourself experienced on so many levels, and I can hear the the pain of recollection in your voice even at this moment, and, and I my heart weeps for you and for what your family went through, particularly in these early days. On a spiritual level, Tawny, and please feel free to take a pass on this question if you like, but uh, as a mom and, and with your husband, Joe, did you immediately just kind of run to the refuge and the power of, of Almighty God, or was there a moment uh, in your life where you, you were just full of confusion and chaos and maybe even a little mad at the Lord? Yeah, well, you know, I was working at a church at the time. You know, I I have, you know, given my life to serve the Lord. And, um, you know, it was really, really hard to go, God, you know, why why didn't you protect us? I mean, we've prayed over this child from before he was ever born. Um, his name, Josiah, by the way, means fire of the Lord. And we loved to name him that. And then the idea that, like, why, where did his fire go? I mean, how ironic. And, you know, you kind of, uh, you're, you're going around every bush to go, well, what did we do wrong? You know, where was God? Where is God? Is God still good? Um, so I'd like to say that, that I, um, had perfect faith. And I think that with couples too, I, you know, you find, um, when it comes to grieving and dealing with this stuff, you know, um, in the early days, Joe was kind of the go-getter. He was going after it and he was really, um, you know, helping to get us through this while I was still like totally shell-shocked. And, um, and then it was like the timing of grief with both men and women is kind of different. And so, it kind of hits men oftentimes later. And so I found myself going, um, the heat is so high on this one. Either I'm going to press into God or I most certainly will walk away. Because, you know, when I look at the promises in the Bible and when I look who God, at who God is, um, this just can't be something nice like a Hallmark card to read over my Wheaties. Either, either the Word of God is powerful and it's real, or I just have to walk away from it because it has to mean something to my life, and this is a very important thing. Do I pray for my child? Do I pray for healing for him? Um, you know, when, when the Bible says that I have good plans for you, plans to give you hope in a future, and... And everybody with this diagnosis is saying, you're going to have to learn how to cope. You're going to have to learn how to manage. You're going to have to, you know, change your expectations. You know, all these things. That's what the world says. Like, cope, cope, cope. And so I, I said to the Lord, and I wrote it in my journal one day, like, you're going to have to show me how I can go about this coping life. What does it look like? I want to, if I have to cope, you got to show me how to do that in a godly way. And I got to tell you, after 365 days of just going, show me how to cope, um, I could not find one example in the Bible that had any kind of language that was like coping. Everything was hope. Everything was speak life into that situation. Everything was restoration. And that there is no time to give up on hope. So that started getting me my compass to true north and you know um you know with my husband i like i said you know we we were kind of on different tracks at at those times in our spiritual life and and you know uh, special needs really affects 
families. Um, I think that there there are numbers that's like seventy five percent of those that have a special needs situation end up divorcing. Um, uh, you know whether the accuracy of that is is exact or not, I don't know, but um, it it definitely has a, a strain on your marriage and um, uh, and it has a strain on how you look at God. And so it definitely had an impact on me, but I would say I pressed into God, and I'm so glad I did. But God had to really show me that he was there, um, and I guess regain my trust, if I'm honest. No, I, I understand that completely. Folks, our guest is Tani Collins. She is the author of a book titled Josiah's Fire. And you can go to the website, josiahsfire.com. She also has a Facebook page that's just facebook.com backslash Josiah's Fire. And we're going to get into, uh, you know, the, the miracle part of this story. So your, your child's autistic. You're, uh, you know, struggling with this in, in your faith walk. And, you know, you, you guys, you and your husband are, are going through the motions and you get the, uh, what is it called here? Open, uh, is this where we start with the open, open communication, communication yeah. class? Yeah. Okay, so, t- yeah, tell us about this. <laughs> so, um, I was kind of, you know, we, we, we had, had to make a turn, like, okay, we were doing everything to get speech. And then it was like, okay, we're, we have to use picture communication. And he had an iPad at that time. I was one of the first to to know, like, uh, before the iPad was ever out, I'm like, this is going to be great for kids with autism. And so I pre-ordered one before it was ever out. And um, so we, we were utilizing picture communication and stuff like that. But all he could ever do was, you know, request, like, I want cookie or go to the bathroom. Um, we, at that point, were not even able to know his thoughts. Um, and so, uh, but you guys are communicating up... at some level. I mean, this is what the, you know, when you guys started this program, these are the things that he would ask you for. And, and then there was some yeah, kind of so change. That was in his therapy center program. So that's before I ever hear about this, um, particular thing. I, I hear about a documentary called a mother's courage. And in the documentary, there's this one part where she takes her child that looks very much like Josiah's, how he's presenting with autism, and they are teaching children that are nonverbal how to be educated, how to learn, and how to spell by pointing at a letter board one letter at a time. And they're showing that they're, like, in there. And I just knew when I saw that I had to find that for my son. I had to do that. You know, we had tried so many things, and it's hard to try one more thing, but I just felt compelled. And so I found out that there was a a place about four and a half hours away that did it. And so I took him to a four-day kind of camp, it's called, to learn how to do what's called the rapid prompting method. And it was at that place where it was amazing. He's about six years old at this point. Um, She she's working with him and at that point he wasn't spelling but he was showing by choosing that he his receptive abilities were much higher than I thought and um, one of the things that she said that really shifted my perspective was she said assume age level intelligence well we had always thought and been told like he has the mind of a toddler I mean they're trying to get him to press you know a, a red circle and I'm like assume age level intelligence 
And then she said, he actually is an auditory learner. Um, you need to speak to him like he's blind, you know, instead of less language, more language. And just talk talk to him. And when you go on walks, talk about the, the, the leaves and how they change and, and the veins in the leaves and photosynthesis and, you know, that sort of thing. So it was like just that started igniting my desire and hope. And then I was seeing as she was working with him, like, he is choosing the right answers. He is tracking here. Well, got home, and like a lot of things, you know, when you when you go to do it yourself, it's like uh, the child really gives you a hard time. So, uh, you know, I, almost every night I would come home from work and try to do like a 25-minute session with him, and I'm trying to bring him back to the table, and I'm trying to work with him. Finally, about a year in, I uh, have a refresher course, and uh, it's at the refresher course when he spells his first independent word. Um, she asks him, what color do you want the car to be? And he actually spells B-R-O-W-N. And that was, I know that sounds little, but that was huge for us. So Amen. I continue on. We go home. And um, so all he's ever spelled at this point are just words that I've given to him to spell. And, you know, just short little words, four or five uh, letter words. And so I'm doing a lesson with him one night at the table, and I am reading to him from the children's Bible. And so I read to him about how Jesus healed the blind man. So you read the little lesson, and then you you say, you know, Josiah, Jesus healed the blind man. What did Jesus do? And you write this on a piece of paper. Did he P-L-A-Y play with the blind man, or did he H-E-A-L heal the blind man? You rip the paper in half. Tap on heel, tap on play. He chose appropriately the, the one that said heel. And I said, okay, let's spell heel. And um, while you also have, like, different letter boards and stuff, I also was using the iPad, and there were letters in alphabetical order in um, big squares. And I was like, okay, well, let's try this. Let's spell heel. And he presses G. I was like, oh, he's missing it. Then he presses O. I'm like, Go. He goes on to spell his first ever independent sentence, God is a good gift giver. Wow. Amen. Uh, quickly, Tawny, there's, wow. So there's, there's two chapters in your book that really jumped out at me. The first you just touched on, that's chapter eight, rapid prompting. And we would be remiss if we didn't give a shout out to two uh, incredible women without whom this story would probably be dramatically different. The first, of course, I'm speaking of Erica Anderson, yeah. the uh, applied behavioral uh, analysis therapist uh, who um, was at that four-day summer camp you mentioned, and, of course, the RPM Training Center in Austin, Texas. Again, for our listeners, that's called the Rapid Prompting Method. And, and Tawny, you're going to get uh, communication for sure from some of our listeners on your uh, Facebook page and again that's facebook.com forward slash josiah's fire but yes, then and that, that actual actual training center is called halo h-a-l-o h-a-l-o perfect and then yeah. this is just, this is just so incredible so then we move over to chapter eight and i love this and bear with me i'm just going to share a little bit of, of the actual sure. book uh, tawny it says on september 15th 2012 six weeks after our refresher class and just a little less than one month before josiah turned seven we sat at the table for another home session uh, Jojo said, so this is Tawny. Jojo, would you like to work from your Everybody Poops book? 
or from your children's Bible, poop or Bible, you choose. His, his, his hand came down on the word Bible, so I reached for the children's Bible with one hand and grabbed the materials with the other. We're going to skip forward a little bit. Uh, Tani said, listen close, okay? I tapped the book. Quote, Jesus spit on the ground and made mud. He placed the mud on the blind man's eyes. The blind man did what Jesus said, and then he could see. And as you said, you snatched the piece of paper and you wrote the words heal or play. And this, I believe, Tani, is the moment where the whole story just begins to change. And this becomes about the, the, the glory going to our Lord God, uh, by whose stripes we are healed and under whose blood we are, in fact, redeemed. God is a good gift giver. I, you, yeah, you must, I have, been, you must have been moment, blown away. <laughs> I just knew at that moment something had happened. I was like, did I just crack? Am I on candid camera? <laughs> did that really happen? And I'm like, Josiah, yes, but how do you know that? And again, let me just emphasize, I'm not going around saying that phrase. That's, I mean, that's not a phrase that he's heard. Um, and then I was like, Josiah, how do you know that? And he spells out, uh, God is very capable. <laughs> And wow. this just continues, and I and I am like I start asking him like you know I mean I have not had a conversation with my child. I'm asking him like what's your favorite color? What do you like to do? You know what what's your favorite cartoon character? We're just we just start getting to know our child for the first time, and even you know very practical things like uh, one time he he had spelled out that he had a, a staple in his shoe. <laughs> well, how would I have <laughs> known that? You know. So there are things, you know, that are really helpful to know. <laughs> so not only is this a a an opening about, uh, you know, what God has shown your son, who, again, hasn't really communicated with you, and this is also the beginning of, you know, your your real communication and relationship with your son, and, and I bet that just opens so many doors. And you said, you know, what, what strikes me about the story is um, you're asking your son questions, you know, about God and what... what uh, God has shown him, and it's not you know he's asking you questions. You're asking him questions. So well, it was like time, he just over time he just started um, sharing things that I'm like, where are you getting this from? I could not figure out. He you know, and and in the early days it was like hard for him to articulate everything that he was trying to express. And, but he, he kept writing this stuff, and then all of a sudden, he was writing these really amazing wisdom words, things like, faith is picture it done. And I'm like, uh, wow, that is like the best wow. definition yeah. of faith I've ever heard. Yeah, <laughs> and it then is. he write like, faith is believing for kites to fly when there's no wind in sight. Amen. Uh, I love it. Tony, let me ask you a quick question just, just to satisfy curiosity here. Sure. I'm dying to ask you this. So when this first major miracle occurred, and, 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 and listeners, remember, we'd be remiss if we don't focus on the fact that what was the story that Tony was going over with little Josiah? It was Jesus healing the blind man. And we should all go back and, and review that. There's a lot of power in that scripture. Was Joe at home, or did you have to lay this on him when he got home from work? No, actually, he was out of town at a at a conference or something that weekend. So it was a it was a Saturday night, and I called him after that. He was in his hotel room. I called my mom. I started emailing family, and I'm just like, I don't know how to tell you this, but this just happened, and uh, it was it was amazing. Actually, I thought that he was being healed at that point. Yeah. 
Yeah, I want to ask and you. So, it, it, this is not something you think that he just learned. You think that this is kind of like no. a download that God uh, yeah. gave him. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, and and he, as time went on, he started explaining things of like heaven somehow. And I'm like, okay, these are people he's never met. Uh, where is he getting this stuff? I mean, it was just so wild. And he would wake up in the middle of the night, and I'd bring the iPad over. And, and um, this is a very arduous, by the way. It's a messy process. Um, he, you know, he's up and down. And um, but but he would he would start communicating about about things. And one day, I decided to press him. Um, to to just see like okay if he could just help me under this is not on my spiritual grid you know what I'm saying he's telling me things that I'm going how can this even be happening and so one day I I said hey just say if I give you the first line of a song could you please finish it and I I said my favorite place in heaven is and he goes on to write his first poem or song and he writes my favorite place in heaven is over peaceful waters peace is real tired souls naturally test peace roses are so stunning worship the king sing loud to the prize pardon who requires praise angels taste of his holiness ordained great attitude of praise help us worship the lord together please him all you hail the king of majesty forever make a noise to the king on the throne that's amazing. Wow. And I'm Tony, like, I... I don't know how anybody can write that unless they have experienced something. Most people can't write that even if they call themselves a writer. Uh, <laughs> okay, so so I don't want to push forward too quickly here, but there's there's another part of the book that, that and listeners, just hear me when I tell you this, you've got to read this book, okay? Uh, this is on page 92, and correct me if I'm wrong, Tony, but... Not only does he have these, as Joe said, these downloads, and, and, and the verbiage that you just shared, I mean, that's praise to Almighty God. That does not come out of seven-year-old kids. Um, but he also begins to share with you insights about other family members. Again, on page 92, uh, Dad is depressed. And then you, a, a couple weeks later, you ask him, uh, they call Josiah Jojo, folks. Jojo, why are you crying? And he writes, a father obligation after hanging around is not trying very hard to make haste on many fast angels and capitalizing on a good opportunity and you say Josiah wait please don't keep running off come back you pull him back over and you get dad is depressed and is not doing anything about it each day and I can't accept it wow yeah yeah uh, absolutely Um, there there are things that you know he picked up on um, and and knew um, obviously about Joe or me, or people that he was in contact with, but he was also knowing things about people that he wasn't in contact with. Um, both those that have gone before, family members, but also uh, there's a you know there's a great story in there about a, a, a therapist that he had when he was four, and he starts she gets in contact with us and he starts saying details about her life things that we can't possibly know including the name of an ex-boyfriend and she confirms all this stuff and it's like what (laughs) how do you know this and as his mother let me just tell you I'm like 
trembling in my boots sharing some of these things with people because uh, I've really had to put down a lot of my own reputation. I don't want to be thought of, you know, as crazy. Um, you know, my reputation has meant a lot to me, but it's amazing um, how God makes you do undignified things. <laughs> let me, Tony, let me ask you this. How did this, these experiences and when this began, how did this change your relationship with Jesus and your faith walk and your family's? Oh my goodness. Um, we talk about how, um, both my husband and I, you know, um, it catapulted us into a love relationship with God that we hadn't experienced before. And, you know, again, I'm working at a church. I've loved God and served God all my life. I love the Word of God. Um, but Josiah invited me into a, a picture of who God is that was so rich and so beautiful and that he is for us and not against us. And and it was just, it, it was like the things that he was writing were so beautiful and so poetic that it was salve to my soul. And I found that there was so much that was personal and yet it caused me to have to wonder do I really take God at his word? I mean, look what we have in the word of God, in the Bible. Do I take God at his word? You know? It that's, absolutely that's made me look at that and go, when when the Bible tells me um, that, you know, how many are his thoughts about me? They are far beyond the sands of the sea. I can't even count them. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that God knows our name and he knows our situation and that he is the God who sees? Amen. And you, and not only that, Tony, but he's also, I like to reflect on this from time to time, and I say it publicly as often as, as, I, as I possibly can. Not only does he know our name, but he knew our name when when his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, hung on the cross for the sins not only of mankind at that time and all of the previous sin, yes, sin of absolutely. mankind as well. He knew your name, he knew my name, Joe's name, and everybody's name who's hearing this broadcast this evening. Tony, I, I've got to ask you, uh, because you, you mentioned a moment ago, and thank you so much for your, your transparency and, and just really rolling with us tonight because this is a very, very intense story. I think Joe and I are both just hanging here in rapt attention, mm -hmm. but... But at some point, you had to take this to your coworkers, and you had to take it to the church writ large. Can you tell us a little bit about that? That must have been kind of nerve-wracking. Well, um, so, you know, again, yeah, I'm working with coworkers that, um, you know, we're, we're, in, <laughs> we're in ministry, and, uh, you know, uh, it's... It's kind of like a non-denominational church. Um, you know, believe in things like healing, believe that God works today, believe in the Spirit of God. But these were things that were way out there. These are things that are out there. Um, and even for me, as Josiah was really, I, I believe, moving in uh, the ability to see in the Spirit and hear in the Spirit and pro prophesy, um, these were things that I had to learn about so I could even help him because it's not something that I was uh, super familiar with. And so, um, you know, I I only shared it with some, you know, trusted friends um, and uh, coworkers and, and pe 
pieces of it um and my and my direct boss um my pastor and um you know it's it's wild i mean i i had their support but it's like this is out there you guys and uh this is what's amazing is here the first people that i shared what god was doing um in our lives with was uh, the seniors ministry the older folks at our campus at our church and um and it was amazing because this last September, um, four years later, they asked me to come back and it was after the book had been published and it was like so many things like that in life were coming back around again, full circle. And, uh, it reminds me of one of the things that Josiah had written once. He said, life is like poetry. It is circular. (laughs) And uh, I find that to be so true. Absolutely. I want to, uh, I want to jump over here to what you said just a few moments ago about how God began to give Josiah insight about people he didn't know. And you give an example of a story of a girl Josiah started typing about at the Mall of America. Right. And this, can you tell this story? Yeah, this is uh, this is a, one of my favorite stories. Um, I, it's so vivid uh, because the adrenaline was so high when all this was happening. Um, and it's probably one of the most astounding things that has ever happened to me. Um, we had gone to the zoo, and they had an IMAX theater there, so we saw this IMAX presentation. And afterwards, I brought up the iPad, and I'm like, Josiah, you know, what do you want to do now? Do you want to go back into the zoo and look around, or do you want to go somewhere? And he types um, on the iPad, and mind you, like, there are no spaces in between the words at this point. It all just runs together. <laughs> um or no punctuation or anything like that. And so anyway, he's he spells, um, take me to the Mall of America, and God will have a surprise for you there. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay. I have no yeah. idea what that could be, but okay, let's go to the Mall of America. And um, so we go to the Mall of America in uh, Minneapolis, and, you know, this is a huge mall. And, you know, I go get Josiah some McDonald's, and then I go get some salad over at Noodles, and... And then it's like, okay, well, let's go walk around. Well, I'm always I'm holding his hand. Well, this time he did something unusual. He starts pulling me somewhere down this corridor. And I'm like, where are you going? And I'm thinking he's going to some toy store or something that we had gone to before. But he takes me very quickly down this corridor, and he takes me to a bench, and we sit down, and he motions for my iPad in my purse and I'm like Josiah what's up what do you what 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 are you thinking what's what do you want to say and so he starts typing this to me um if I may read right from the book sure he he types hobnob with that nice girl placing little stairs now my way spiritually working to voice little durable words to voice for doubters and um this is kind of his lingo like it's very different cadence you know than typical people and so I'm like who are you talking about I'm looking around I'm like there's what girl uh, there are people walking around everywhere I don't know who you're talking about and then he writes love is love tell her that I'll be forced to voice my love for her myself now is the time to work the floor like it's party time tell her words take her breath away tell her that love is born out of choosing God not choosing Wicca 
which is like witchcraft. Hope is love, not more daddy issues. Pick a spiritual daddy. It is boy's father. It is God. Choose him, not a brotherhood of robbers, because you need me, God says. Okay, at this point, I am like sitting there on this on this bench, and my heart is racing about a million miles an hour, and I'm like, first of all, I don't know who you're talking about. Second of all, am I supposed to tell this to somebody? <laughs> You know, uh, you can't imagine all the thoughts that are going through my head at this point. I'm looking around. I'm like, who could it possibly be? And then my eye catches this uh, little group of maybe 20-somethings, and there's this girl that kind of has almost like a long black kind of cape, kind of velvet cape on. And I'm like, oh, well, I wonder if that's who he's talking about. And I'm like, are we supposed to go over there? Um, and as I'm wrestling with this, all of a sudden this group comes walking and they're walking toward like where we are and they come right in front of us and I knew it knew it's now or never and I stand up and I'm like, Excuse me <laughs> Hi. Um this is gonna sound funny and I I asked the girl who has the cape on, I'm like, are you very um, spiritually inclined? And she's like, um, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I'm like, okay, um, I don't know how to say this, but I have, this is my son Josiah, he's kind of spiritually in tune with things, and I think he has a message for you, can I, can I read it to you? And um, so she's like, okay, and I'm like, you know, I flip the iPad app around where I can see the words, but again, I'm having to like pull them out because they're all running together with no spaces. So I read to her what I just read to you, and I look up and I say, does that mean anything to you? And she goes, mm, no, not really. Okay, at that point, my heart just falls because I'm like, this was all just... I don't know, pulled out of the sky. What was this? All of a sudden, this girl who's beside her, who has like this short blonde hair and has this cute sunny tank top on, says, that's not her, but that's me. And she takes her tank top and pulls pulls it over and shows on her chest a five-point pentagram tattoo. And she says, I'm in Wicca, and I've been told that I have daddy issues, and I don't know what to say right now. Like, I am just, like, hot. And I'm like, okay, um, sorry, the cape threw me off. Anyway, so, uh, Sam, Sam was her name. I said, um, are you as freaked out right now as I am? Because let's get this straight. Um, God, the God of the universe. Uh, God with Jesus chose me and this kid who can't speak, who has autism, to somehow cross paths with you in the biggest mall of America to get you a message that is accurate and for you. Um, are you freaked out right now? Like not right now, like I am. And she's like, um, kind of. She's like. I used to be a Lutheran, but I gave church up when I was in ninth grade, and I'm like, okay, I, you know, I'm happy to continue this conversation with you, and I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't lead her to Christ or anything like that. I just was like, okay, I, I felt very deeply I just needed to release that. I sent her an email, got her email address, sent her the email of what it said, and um, I never did hear back from her. I don't know what God did with that after that event. 
but I do know this. Um, that changed something in me that day. To me, it said, God cares about people that don't even care about him, that he would actually move heaven and earth to find us. Amen. Well, the, good, the scriptures tell us the good, the good shepherd, he'll go to any and all lengths to find that one lost sheep, Tawny. And, and that, that story, I, I'm actually kind of having a hard time conducting the interview. I <clears throat> choked up a couple of times. Uh, we've got about six, seven minutes left, Tawny, and this interview's just flown by. But we would be remiss if, I'm, Hagman listeners, if you think this has been incredible so far, wait until we lay on you what we're going to go into for the, the last couple minutes of the show. Tawny, take about three or four minutes with this, and then Joe will give you the last few minutes to just speak your heart, and, and then we'll wrap up for this evening. This is from Chapter 11 of Josiah's Fire. Again, that's josiahsfire.com. And for those joining us late, our special guest this hour is Tony, uh, Tony, rather, Tony Cullen, Josiah's mom. This is a must-read book. February 2013, one chilly night, Josiah stormed into our room and woke us with the flick of the light. What's up, I asked, steering him to the living room. And this is what Josiah types on the iPad. Gog Magog a guarantee of a ministry of magnificent natural healing and an age of great advancement over autism, age of healing. Tawny, huh? I was suddenly awake. What's this about Magog? Danger to peace. Fog in Magog. Last danger name is pestilence for men. Hagman listeners, this little boy with autism who cannot speak but through an iPad and through the Lord God Almighty is laying down a prophetic message. uh, Tawny, why don't you grab it from there? Yeah. Uh, wow. How do I pick it up? Um, so, you know, <laughs> uh, first of all, as a mother, I'm going, um, why is he seeing these things? Or what is he seeing? Or what is God allowing him to see? Um, and so I just start asking him questions. You know, one of the things I've learned is is not to shut him down. You know, not to, uh, instead of making statements, I ask questions. And so I was like, Jojo, what do you think God wants you to know by giving you this? And then he wrote, he was guaranteeing my worship ministry. Fantastic story of God's love. And, um, you know, uh, when it comes to those kind of um, forward prophetic things, um, there are a number of things that God shows him. There are some things that he hasn't even been able to share with me, like he's told me I can't tell you. Um, And sometimes it's very difficult, actually, um, to think, like, what he is able to see and know about, because I don't want him to know. (laughs) I don't want him to see things that are disturbing. Um, But this this is the piece that I keep seeing coming up in his writings, and that is um, God is about ready to move on the earth in such a way that, yes, you know, we can look at all the bad things that are happening. We can look at all the truly prophetic ways that, I mean, I think about since the time that we wrote the book to now, like how many prophetic things have been um, marching forward on the timeline um, of history. Um, But we need to know that we are coming into a time where God is going to release healing on the earth, miracles and signs and wonders on the earth like we have never seen. And we have to be ready. Salvation, redemption, restoration, um, that is what 
that is what I keep seeing from what Josiah writes. And one of the things, too, that is very profound is, you know, all this stuff is happening while we're in the middle of mundane, everyday life. And yet this is, this is one of the most profound things that I get out of what God gives to Josiah, is that heaven isn't as far away as we think. The veil is not as thick as we think, because really what's happening is all of heaven, the cloud of witnesses, the angels, God, Jesus, the Trinity, uh, Holy Spirit, everybody in heaven has their hearts attuned to what's happening on earth until the redemptive plan of Jesus Christ is brought to bear. Amen. They care about what's going Amen. on down here. So we need to be praying, God, yes, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. So there's a real partnership that it causes me, at least, to engage with. And I think God's trying to light that fire and to say, don't forget your first love. Don't get so hung up in all the politics and all the noise and all this stuff. I want you to remember my first love and my first commandment is to love, is to love me with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the major. We have to stop majoring on the minors and minoring on the majors. Amen. Amen and Tony, amen. We, we had a, just a, like a half-second sound uh, gap there. That's why we didn't hear the, the end of the sentence. But we only got about oh, two really? minutes left. <laughs> quickly, quickly, Tawny, we've got about, we're going to give you the last word. We like to do that with our guests, particularly people that have brought us such an amazing, miraculous story tonight. I just want to say this quickly. We have a global interactive chat. We have people right now from everywhere from Australia to Venezuela in our chat, and you should read these messages. I mean, they're calling Josiah an angel, a miracle. I, I can barely keep it together to conduct the remainder of this interview, but our chat is absolutely blowing up, praising God, and thanking you for this story. Amen. Well, I, if I have anything to boast, then I will boast in God all day long. Absolutely. Uh, do you have an email? I know you, you gave out the Facebook. Where can, how can people get a hold of you? If they, the very sure best place many... to go is the Josiah's Fire Facebook page. Um, message me there or Tony Cullen Facebook page. Um, those are the most active places for me. And the name is spelled T-A-H-N-I-C-U-L-L-E-N. That's right. Tony Cullen. And the Facebook page is facebook.com uh, Josiah, uh, forward slash Josiah's Fire. And uh, again, Tony, thank you so much for joining us. This interview was was amazing, and it went by so fast. And uh, we hope to to have you back on and talk about this further. But what an incredible story! Would you please uh, uh, share with with your son that you know you came on the show and and that uh, what an inspiration he is not only to us and you all are the whole family uh, to us and our listeners. And we thank you so much for sharing the miracles and your uh, tremendous faith. Uh, with us in our audience. Well, I want to thank you for having me on, and I, I just want people to know that since our book has come out, there have been people all over the world that have contacted me, um, probably about 20 people that say, your story is our story. I mean, we're talking kids with autism that God is reaching and and is sharing with them. And so God's trying to say something to the church here. He will use the simple to confound the wise. So let's keep our eyes and our hearts and our ears open to what God's saying. And don't despise the days of small beginnings. Have hope, even if right now the situation looks dire. God bless you, Tawny. Thank you so much. Blessings to you and your 
listening audience. Thank you. Thank you. Again, the website is josiasfire.com. That's also the title of the book, and you can go to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash josiasfire. What an awesome story. We'll be right back with Pastor David Langford. to this third and final hour of this Wednesday edition of the Hagman Report. Fantastic guest last hour. Very moving. Uh, that's Tony Cullen, and the book is Josiah's Fire. And we have this hour Pastor David Langford from The Voice of Evangelism. He's on each and every Wednesday with us in the third hour. But from what I understand, the next few weeks he won't be with us, but he's here tonight. Pastor, welcome back to the show. Did you get a chance to hear that last segment? No, I didn't. Somebody called me and tied me up right to the very end. Uh, that happens sometimes in the ministry. Yes, it does. Well, if you get a chance, Pastor, uh, go back and, and listen to that hour number two guest. She talks about uh, her son who was diagnosed with severe autism and how he began to communicate with her uh, with writing things on, on an iPad and how he basically uh, began God began showing him things, and he began to to write down what God was showing him, and he, this be, began this whole big uh, story of how uh, you know not only did it change the the whole family, but he began to change uh, have insight about people he didn't know, and uh, give those messages to these people, and had a profound change on on everybody involved. And it's a it was an awesome. Well, that's a that's a miracle of God. That, that's yes. why it's so impressive. God still does miracles today. Uh, in spite of what we hear and see, he is still in control, and when he gets ready to do something, he's going to do it, you know, with or without our consent, because he's God. He's the God of all flesh. He says, is there anything too hard for me? But I I appreciate those testimonies uh, that people have. It's powerful. I'll I'll tell you, Pastor Langford, and thank you for joining us here this evening. You know, brother, we're sure going to miss you the next three weeks, and I just want to inform all the Hagman listeners that uh, whereas we will very much miss our dear brother and our and our pastor here at the Hagman Report, Pastor David Langford, uh, we have uh, worked very diligently to find some good spiritual nourishment for you all. And so next week we'll be joined by Pastor Mike Spaulding, a senior pastor of Calvary Chapel in Lima, Ohio. The following Wednesday we'll be joined by Pastor Paul Bagley, of course a favorite of all of ours. And then on uh, Wednesday, <clears throat> excuse me, January 3rd, 2018 will be joined by Pastor John Haller. Uh, Pastor Langford, before we give it to you and let it rip, I just wanted to mention quickly that this uh, guest we just had on, Tawny Cullen, uh, the book Josiah's Fire, was so powerful that in our interactive chat, we still have people right now, this very minute, saying that they're rededicating their life to Christ tonight. Praise God. Praise God. Well, that's, yeah. that, that's, that's why we do what we do and why you guys do what you do. We're trying to positively affect people that they'll come to the knowledge of Jesus because Jesus asked a question in Mark eight thirty six thirty seven. He said, What should it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his own soul? The most valuable, valuable possession that any person has is their soul. And from God's perspective, it's more valuable than all the things in the world. And we need to remember that. 
Amen. Absolutely. Our, our, our faith and our relationship with Jesus is the most important thing. It's the beginning and end of, of all we do. And absolutely, we need to remember that. Pastor, what, what did a, you want to get into tonight? Well, you said something last week that uh, piqued my mind. Uh, there's something going on that's more than what we are obvious to. I've told Steve throughout the last 20-plus years, we seem to build a lot of momentum, uh Pressing, pushing to a zenith, a point, an apex, when something catastrophic is evitable to the natural eye, but it's always seemingly when we got down to around Thanksgiving and Christmas, all of a sudden the pressure abates, it wanes, it just, the air's let out of the, the balloon and we seem to kind of fizzle out and then we start over in the first of the year. And we start watching one event after another. Then we begin to build momentum. We get into the spring. We see the, the destruction of hurricanes. We begin to get into the summertime. And going toward the fall, we see the destruction. Did I say hurricanes or tornadoes? Tornadoes Hur- in the spring. Yeah, then hurricanes in the fall. I did think I said tor- uh, hurricanes in the spring. But we see the tornadoes and, and how, how, how these EF5s, uh, like Joplin, Missouri, uh, just annihilate, eviscerate an entire town. It was just blown away. There's nothing left there. Uh, but then as we get toward the fall of the year going into the winter, again, things begin to wane and begin to abate. But I see something a little bit different this time. It's as though we're picking up momentum rather than losing momentum. Uh, the things that Donald Trump has done, uh, Moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Just the announcement has created a tremendous stir and uh, consternation among world leaders. But you said something last week, uh, basically Ephesians 6 and 12, where Paul said, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. There is a hierarchical structure of government in the spiritual sphere, in the spiritual realm. And things are executed at certain levels. And as a nation, we're witnessing the most vile and most wicked and corrupt leadership that we've ever seen before with the, the Attorney General's office, the FBI, all of these these alphabet entities, we're witnessing just how vile, how corrupt, how salacious that they are. And so Paul the Apostle is trying to remind us, and, it, and it's hard, to, it's really hard to keep that focus on the spiritual aspect of it. When we see and we hear and we read the leaked emails and the texts that were sent, the things that were said, we see the carnal side of this. We see the carnal state of this, and it it infuriates us. It makes me angry. It makes me mad. It makes me look at these institutions, and I have absolute contempt for every one of them, and I have absolute contempt for those who work for them. Now, you say, that that's too hard. No. If you work for those alphabet agencies, why don't you stand up publicly and castigate them publicly 
and say they're wrong, they're immoral. But no, they're not willing to do that because they're concerned about their own livelihood, and they're partially complicit in all of these things. And so everything that's taking place right now is, is, is not by happenstance. All of these innuendos and all these rumors and stuff that's coming out against senators and congressmen, how all of a sudden the Democrats, you know, they took the high moral ground and we've got to get rid of Congress. Well, the guy was almost 90 years old, so you're, you know, you wasn't doing a whole lot there. And, 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 and then Al Frankenstein, and, and we see all of these things, but there's something more going on here. I believe in my heart they're working at, 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 at to bring Trump down. How do you do that? Well, you bring the, the powers that be together and, and kind of call a truce, if you will, and negotiate how can we destroy this man and finish off this country. America's in the way, per se, of a new world order. And, it, and it's only the fabric of the Christian people in America that are still trying to stand and do what it's right. And as a Christian, we see this stuff. And see, Paul is trying to remind us, we are not wrestling against flesh and blood, but we are wrestling against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, spiritual wickedness literally means spiritual host. They're hosting this. They, they, they are the ones putting this on. Paul, Paul gave us another uh, statement in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Again, Paul is reminding the church at Corinth, though you walk in the flesh, our humanity, that's not what we're warring against. Now, we, we, we would like to think, uh, Schumer, Pelosi, uh, Mitch McConnell, we'd like to think that's where the battle is. That's just the veneer. That's just the facade. There is a spiritual entity. There is spiritual wickedness, Paul said. There are spiritual principalities and powers that are working. And I, 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 this is going to almost sound crazy. I believe uh, that the, the Republicans uh, would, would, would forfeit both the Senate and the Congress if they were certain it'd bring Trump down. I, I, I believe they would just cash in and say, hey, if we can just get him out, we can, we can go on with our plan. We can go on with our program. There's, there's a lot of people uh, that are doing a lot of wicked things, and when they're doing these things, you know, sometimes it just, it just doesn't make sense. You got, what's her name, uh, Gillibrand, what was her name, the New York senator? Kristen Gillibrand. Uh, yeah, how, how she was, you know, embracing and lauding Bill Clinton and, you know, it, you know, just hugging up to them, and all of a sudden she takes this 180-degree turn, and she's going to take the moral high ground, and you know we, we've got to uh, we've got to get rid of these these uh, these people that are that are groping women. There's there's something more taking place than what we are seeing, and, and instead of things waning, things abating, my concern is that things get more tempestuous. Uh, the the storm becomes more 
more more arduous, more difficult. And only God knows, you know, what will happen after Christmas with Trump. Because, you know, you're hearing now the cry, we've got to investigate Trump. Forget the collusion. Let's go after his 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 30, year, 30 years ago, something he did 30 years ago. Let, let, let's begin to dig into his past. And I still believe there will be more and more statements come out that are very derogatory toward other leaders in both houses. Uh, it's there because that's their lifestyle. I was thinking today, you know, what keeps us from living like that? What, what What's the difference between me and Mitch McConnell? What's the difference between me and Chuck Schumer? The difference is Jesus. You know, in my heart, I, I don't want to go down that path. I do not want to shame and disgrace my Lord. I don't want to bring a reproach against him, the church of the living God. And so I have a I have a, a built-in deterrent. I have something that deters me, just like Joseph. When, when, when Potiphar's wife was trying to seduce him, when she was trying to lure him to sleep with her, he said, I cannot commit this evil deed against my God, nor against my Lord, speaking of Potiphar. He's given me rule of his house. I cannot do this. His relationship with God was the ultimate deterrent that kept him, enabled him, empowered him to say no to temptation. You know, man is a very frail, anemic creature. You know, we, we talk about emotional distress, uh, spiritual distress, physical distress. When all of these come against us all at one time, you know, man is very frail. Some people lose their mind. Some people, uh, I, I believe in a type of temporary insanity that you can lose it. You become somewhat disconnected. But as a Christian, Jesus Christ can keep all the dots connected and, and, and keep you cohesive where you're not fragmented and torn apart. And I believe this is why twice to the church at Ephesus and to the church at Corinth, Paul is trying to admonish us. Though you walk in the flesh, your humanity, this is not what you're warring against. You think it is because... The flesh is per se the evidence, but there's the, there's a spirit, there is a power, there is an entity that's behind this pressing to make these things happen. You know, I I have said this so many times. In Luke twenty two thirty one, Jesus said, Simon Peter, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he might sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. When thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. If you look at that word desire in the Greek, it means that Satan went to Jesus. He exceedingly demanded that Jesus give him Peter's soul. And when he said he wanted to sift him as wheat, the word sift there means to pierce, to riddle, or to perforate, as in punching holes into his life. Now, here's this great warfare taking place between Satan himself and Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Who was the per se pawn? Peter. He was the object. Job was the object between Satan and God. Sometimes we don't know it. We too have become an object. Unknowingly, we don't realize there is a great warfare that's taking place. And, and some of you listening to me tonight, you've been there. You have been the, uh, like on the chessboard. You, you, you've been one of the, uh, the, the, the pawns. You, you, 
You've been one of the players, and, and it's between God and the devil, and you happen to be the object or the subject. And you wonder why all of a sudden do I feel like I'm in a vortex? I'm in a whirlwind. I, I was praying the other day, and I could just see in my mind people had literal physical chains around their heads. Satan was binding them so so adamantly. I mean, he was binding people unbelievably. I could just see this. And I was thinking, oh my God, what kind of vexation, what kind of torment, what kind of anguish are people that literally it look like physical chains? And I, got, and I thought about just the physical weight of the chain. If you took a uh, a, a, a chain that the length, the links are an inch and a half, two inches in, in dimension. Can you imagine the weight of a ten foot chain on your head? It would just, it would press you down. And, and I saw people that are in bondage in their mind. They're, they're, they're held prison. They're, they're a prisoner. They're captive in their own faults that are running through their minds, holding them hostage. The, the thoughts of you're not going to make it. You're not going to survive. You're a failure. You're 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 subjected to this substance. You can't overcome this. You can't overcome that. Uh, your marriage is going to fail. I mean, he's instilling fear. Uh, you name it. Those are the fiery darts of hell that are coming. But if you look at it in the natural, all you see is people and and their fleshly deeds. But there's an impetus. There is a power that is so far greater than that. And and we don't oftentimes see that. We we just we just think this guy just don't like me or or they're, they're just treating me wrong. They're just treating me unjustly. No, there's a spirit behind that. There is there is a a satanic design, a satanic spirit that is behind that oppression. You know, I don't believe Christians can be possessed, but I do believe Christians can be oppressed. And the reason I believe that is because Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, no man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Then, Jesus, or Peter said about Jesus in Acts ten thirty eight, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So oppression needs a healing versus a deliverance. Demon-possessed people need deliverance. Spiritually oppressed people need a healing because it's, it's more of an emotional thing. Yes, demons can affect that too, but I'm saying for a Christian. And, and, and so this is you know what Satan is, is doing. And, and if we're not careful, all we do is magnify you know, and I'm guilty to to this myself. I, I see Chuck Schumer, I, I see Mitch McConnell, I see Nancy Pelosi, I see these people, but you have to look through the veneer and, and, and there's a demonic entity, there's a demonic spirit that is fostering this and bringing this stuff to fruition. And so, as a Christian, the Apostle Paul says, let me assure you, you're not wrestling with flesh and blood. You you can't ta you know, take them down and them tap out and it's over with. That's not the way this works. This is the personification of warfare. This is the personification of true battle when you encounter demonic activity. And that's why our nation 
if you look at the nation in, in the flesh, we're, we're in a carnal rage. There's rage everywhere. There's consternation. There is hate. There is bitterness. There's this, I'm going to get you attitude, and the other guy says, yeah, and I'm going to get you. What is behind that? Satan is fomenting that, bringing it to the, to the, to the forefront, trying to utterly divide and destroy our nation. Jesus said, a kingdom that is divided, it cannot stand. It, 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 it cannot stand. A house divided against itself, it cannot survive. And, and we're in the throes of survival. And that's when our responsibility as Christians, we have to begin to pray and plead the blood of Jesus Christ and wield the, the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and we have to fast to bring these, these powers that be in subjection. They can be brought into subjection. You know, uh, the demons are subject to Jesus Christ. Every knee bows, every tongue confesses. And instead of getting on Facebook, get on your face before God and cry out to God and say, God, help us. You know, if we will take the time to pray, and, and January will be here, and as most of you know, probably for the last decade, uh, I've, I've uh, called uh, us as a, as a body to fast and pray. My wife and I have fasted 21 days in January for the last decade or so. I don't expect anyone else to do that. But I, I would ask you to fast with us a day, two days, three days, whatever God would lead you. There is power in fasting. And people talk about it, but they don't do it. Adam was the one that God told in the garden in Genesis chapter 2. I was reading this just today. Eve was not in God's presence. She wasn't even made yet from Adam's body. But when, when God uh, was addressing Adam in uh, uh, Genesis 2 and 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and of evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And then the next verse says, verse 18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a help meet. So when, when, when Jehovah Elohim gave this commandment to Adam, Eve was not there. She wasn't even made yet. And this is why it is evident to me that Adam conveyed this truth to Eve, but the devil misconstrued the truth. That's why Paul the Apostle says that Adam transgressed, but Eve was deceived, because Nahash, the serpent, beguiled her, the shining one. I believe Satan transformed himself into an angel of light. He came into her presence in that manner, and he he duped her. He tricked her. And so he told her this lie. He said, you're not going to die if you partake of this fruit. He said, but your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, and you're going to know good and evil. And then the Bible says, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, 
and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof. Now, there are three things right there. These three gates, these are the three gates that Satan works through with every human being. He works through the lust of the flesh, he works through the lust of the eyes, or he works through the pride of life. Those are the three gates. Those are the three avenues that Satan comes to every one of us. John, you, Joe, you, me, David, every listener. That's how Satan gets to you. Now watch this. Genesis 3, 6. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food. That was the lust of the flesh. Is that not what the devil did to Jesus in Matthew chapter 4? Tempted him, saying, turn that stone into bread. Satan doesn't change in the way he operates. He uses the same ploy, the same tool, over and over again. And then it says, and that it was pleasant to the eyes. That was the lust of the eyes. The devil took Jesus on the pinnacle of the temple and showed him all uh, the kingdoms of the world. Why? He was trying to buy him by showing him the glory. Then here in the garden, it says that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. Now, that's, that's pride of life. Nahash, Satan, was telling Eve, you're going to be as smart as God. You're going to be on the same level as God. That was pride. And so the devil told Jesus, cast yourself down and uh, call the angels to bear thee up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. See, that was the pride of life. Now we take Genesis 3, we take Matthew chapter 4, and now we go to John chapter, uh, 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. And John said these things. He said, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It is not of the Father, but it is of the world. That's the three things that Satan did to Eve. The tree was good for food. That was the lust of the flesh. Pleasant to the eyes. That was the pride of life. And desire to make one wise. All of these, these are the three gates. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That last one was the pride of life. She was going to be as knowledgeable, as wise, as prudent, as sharp as God, which there was no truth in that. See, every element of Satan's victories are based on a lie and deception. Think about just what purportedly transpired in this election in Alabama. All of this was all fostered come to fruition because of purported lies. Lies. Revelation 21.8, all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. God is very adamant against lying. That's even one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Look at the plethora of lies, folks. Now, I don't believe in living under the law, but my point is, God in the New Testament says, if you are a liar, I got a special place for you. You, you heard Brandon say that, and, uh, what was the Madeline not so bright? There's a special place in hell for women who don't vote for Hillary, and Brandon made his statement. Listen, there's a place in hell for liars, and I've got Bible to prove that, Revelation 21. That's not some kind of rhetorical jargon. That's not some kind of rhetorical statement. That is a fact of reality. See, 
Romans 1.22 says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Romans 1.25 says, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. They are more interested right now in, in serving the creature. That's, that's us. That's humanity. They'd rather serve mankind than serve God because at the end of the day, they, they've got a bias. They, they've got something that they want. People lie for a reason. They just don't lie to be lying. There's something behind it. There's a reason behind someone displays deception. Satan displayed deception to Eve. There was a reason for that. Everything the devil's doing, he comes uh, as an angel of light, Paul said. But when you see through the veneer, there is a reason behind that, and it's death. It's ruin. It's rot. It's decay. It's, it's, it's the worst it's the worst things in the world and, and and the devil will paint such a beautiful portrait that if you could just get to this place you would have peace you would have happiness uh, you'd have such placidity you'd have unfathomable joy uh, he I mean he, he that's all he does is he is he lies uh, Jesus said in John 8 44, John 844 he was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Every lie that has ever been told, Satan fathered it. He, it was his seed that fathers every lie that's ever told. It's not God. Even, even us, us three brethren here on the program tonight, Every lie that we've ever told, it didn't come from God. It came because Satan had that much dominion over us to coerce us and to dupe us into telling a lie. And as soon as we told the lie, and our conscience was smitten, because we knew that was wrong. But we did it to save ourselves. And then, just like in the garden, you know, the blame game immediately starts as to why I did what I did. In other words, just like today, people don't want to take responsibility for their actions. You know, I thought it was so funny, uh, you know, when, when all of this mess came out on uh, Judge Moore, you know, immediately Mitch McConnell says, well, we just can't seat him. We, we just, we're just not going to let him be seated. Guess what? It all came back to haunt him. See, you're not going to fool God. You're not going to trick God. The Bible says in Galatians 6 and 7, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh, listen to me, folks. He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to his spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for we shall reap in due season if we faint not. There are four seasons, winter, spring, summer, and fall. In God's spiritual kingdom, there's a fifth season. There's a due season when you have done everything that you know to do. You've been obedient. You have done the right things. That is a due season that God says, I'm going to reward you just because of your faithfulness. You walked away from that job. 
You would not tell that lie. You would not let your guard down and have an extra marital affair. You would not do those things. And then you come into that place of due season. And and when you get to that due season, you can see then, because of your obedience, how God has elevated you, exalted you. And, and that's Scripture. You know, 1 Peter 5 and 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. See, I, I, I personally, I could care less about being exalted if I can just be under his mighty hand. Because if I'm under the hand of God, there's somebody that doesn't have access to me, and that's the devil. If I, David Langford, live under the hand of God, Satan cannot get to me. Whether God ever bothers to exalt me or not, that's, that's, that's to me personally, that's meaningless. That's, that's when you get in danger, you know, uh, because if you get lifted up, sometimes pride begins to creep in, and, and then your pride gets you into trouble. It's like the guy that was so humble, and, and they gave him a, an, a, an honorary badge to wear. And because he put it on, they took it away from him because they said, well, now you're too proud. So, you know, his humility awarded him something, but then he wore it, and they said, well, now you're, you're proud. So my point Pastor is... Pastor Langford... No, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. Finish your point. I, I, no, finish no, your point. I have ahead. a question. I, well, I want to interject something and see if we can unpack this a little bit here. Sure. The, the this is this is really nourishing me this evening, and I believe it is many others. The uh, association between pride and telling a lie. Now, without going into detail, I had a situation last night where I straight up made a mistake here on the show, and there was that that split second where the devil tried to get to me and just 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 cover it up. Nobody will ever know, and it, it was a mistake with calendaring a guest. But immediately the Holy Spirit came in and said, no, don't do that. Now, of course, in our line of work, you're going to get caught anyway because everything's email and text and there's, you know, obvious trails. But but there was a measure of pride in that. And and wouldn't you know, by owning up the, the, the mistake, telling the truth, which felt great immediately, it was like being sealed in the, the Holy Spirit, you know. Hey, the, the devil tried devil tried to mess with my head, but I, I manned up and told the truth. And wouldn't you know, it wound up working out for the better anyway but that, if I'm not mistaken, that takes a certain level of, of humility and a humbleness that, that I, again, I'll just speak for myself personally. Without the Holy Spirit, I don't have it, brother. Nobody does, John. You know, I was at a, in a dinner table once with a very prominent uh, businessman. That's all I'll say, because if I say it too much, some people will, may recognize. But uh, my son asked him a question. He said, have you ever done steroids? He said, no. I, you know, I just took the man for what he said. And three hours after the dinner, I got an email from the man. He said, would you tell your son I lied to him? And I said, no, you tell him. What what good is it for me to tell him you lie? You need to make that right. But you know what he told me in the email? He said, my pride got in the way, and I didn't want to admit I had done steroids. See, now, you, now I think, to me, that's about as, as trivial as it gets, you know. I mean, I'll be 63 in February, so I'm I'm not trying to be some, you know, Mr. Atlas. So it didn't it didn't mean anything to me. But my point is, it is amazing. It is amazing how the devil can take just like your situation and try to balloon that thing into something that's gargantuan. But one measure, one drop of humility says, you know what? I'm going to do the right thing here. 
You know, I, I quote a lot of scripture, and sometimes I'll misquote one, and I'll go back and correct it, because I don't want anybody to ever think, I'm trying to mislead them. You know, and, and it'd be, it might be a minute after I quote it, and I'm like, you know, well, just like earlier in the program, I said hurricanes, I meant tornadoes. You know, I check myself constantly, because it's not that I'm trying to be perfect. Nobody can be perfect, but I don't want to ever be in a position of misleading anybody in any way, shape, form, or fashion. And the great thing about telling the truth, the truth always stays the same. But you know what happens to a lie, John? It gets bigger and bigger and more complicated, and lie begats lie begats lie. And you know, Pastor Langford, I just, again, to go back to this personal experience just quickly, because it's just so salient to what you're talking about, it was an issue of pride fighting in real time with the spirit of humility or being humble. And we should learn, certainly by the time we're grown adults, that, that most people that we work with, our family members, etc., if you look at them and you say, you know what, I made a big mistake and I'm sorry, it's on me, but I'll make it better, 99% of people are going to forgive you. And they actually are, I think they respect that much greater. It's difficult to work with people who are never wrong. Listen, John, that's, that's, that's one of the greatest ways to gain unfathomable respect is by always telling the truth, and if you erred, you go back and say, i got to fix this. They'll look at you like, are you kidding me? You come back to fix that? That's right, because I I, I'm trying to live a godly life. We see the term ungodly throughout the Scriptures. For instance, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 16, 17, it says, For the time has come, that judgment must first begin at the house of God. And if it first began with us, what shall be uh, the end of them that obey not the gospel? For if the righteous are scarcely saved, where shall the sinner and the ungodly appear? Now, I want you to notice, Peter uses two terms in that passage. He uses sinner and ungodly. So there has to be a difference between a sinner and an ungodly person. Well, what is that? An ungodly person has once been godly. It's like a shoe that's tied. Now it's untied. You've walked away. See, the, 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 the rank sinner will never be judged as harshly as the ungodly. Why? Because the, the, the ungodly were once godly and had a God consciousness, a God awareness. And they said, well, I, I can't do that. That's why we use the term backsliding. You can only be born again once. But you can go back into sin, backslide, and be severed away from God. Now, I know that'll upset a few people, but that's okay. That's not my problem. That's your problem. Uh, Paul said in uh, uh, Hebrews twelve fifteen, looking diligently, lest any man fail or fall of the grace of God. You see, uh, people don't like ultimatums. Uh, Revelation 2, 4, uh, Jesus said, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from which thou art fallen. You see, I can't fall from grace. Well, why is that word in the Bible? Remember, therefore, from which thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. What were the first works? God, I'm a sinner. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Those are our first works. Or, watch this now, Revelation 2, 5, or else. Uh-oh. You mean God gives ultimatums? He sure does. He said, or else, I will come unto thee quickly, 
and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. And, you know, to me, redemption and repentance, uh, man, they are the most two beautiful words that God ever gave mankind. Because you can't have one without the other. If you don't repent, you can't be redeemed. And you can't be redeemed unless you repent. That, that's, that's what redemption is all about, being restored, being made whole. And so this, every one of us, including Uno number one, every one of us has too much pride. And, 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 and the reason being is because we, we hate to be wrong, or we hate to admit I made the mistake, or I miscalculated, or whatever the case might be. We, we pride is not of God. Pride comes from Lucifer, Satan. Ezekiel twenty-eight fifteen. That was perfect in all thy ways from the day that that was created until iniquity was found in thee. What did he do? He said, "I'm going to lift up myself against God." See, and 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 he was he was proud because of his garment, his, his uh, how he was arrayed. He had every precious stone was his covering, the Bible says. Sardis, topaz, diamond, barrel, onyx, just a plethora of all of these jewels. But here's the secret. I've used this analogy many times. You take the most beautiful diamond, onyx, ruby, sapphire, put it in the palm of your hand, and go into a, a room that's dark, shut the door, and see if you can see that stone. You can't see that stone, neither does that stone have any beauty. What gives every stone significance and beauty is when the light hits it. Now when the light hits that stone, that light does something that we just don't understand. And we see all of these colors, and, and, and uh, I'm trying to think of a word here, but it, it's, it's a, uh, oh, what's word am I looking for? It's unfathomable. Um, it'll come to me here in a minute. But but who remember who Lucifer was in close proximity to? Jesus Christ, the light. See, the light was making him that beautiful. And so his pride, he was lifted up with pride, and he thought, hey, this beauty is within me. It's 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 within it's inside of me. But what he didn't understand, he needed that light to make him look that beautiful. And so once the light went out, guess what happened to him, even spiritually? He became a darkened vessel. He, then he, he lives in darkness. This is, this is where he, he lives. This is where he, he strives. This is where he thrives in darkness. And this is where all of this filth and immorality and all of these things uh, that, that take place Ezekiel twenty-eight seventeen. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. That's a simple way of saying you became proud because of your beauty. And you know, beauty is only skin deep. It's a reality. You know, when you're in your twenties and thirties and forties, you you have your day. You have your your day of your manhood, your womanhood. But, you know, after a while, it soon begins to fade because that's the, because of the curse of sin that still resides in our humanity. And so this is why pride is so dangerous. This is, this is why pride is so detrimental. And, 
you know, the devil, if he can't beat you down, if he can't snuff you out, he'll push you up and make you pride, proud just like he was. Why? So he can destroy you. You see, Satan destroyed himself. See, we, you know, we, we won't a lot, a lot of times blame somebody else. But John, like you, there was nobody had a knife in your back and said, John, misrepresent the truth. Nope, I was sitting in my house alone. Uh, pa- Pastor Lamford, may I ask a question? Uh, sure. It's, it's, there's, there's something gnawing at me as you speak about pride and, and Ezekiel 28.15 and then on down to 28.17. And it's interesting because this is confirmation. I was just thinking about that scripture either yesterday morning or the day before while I was cleaning the house. And uh, there was a very strange thing that hit Drudge Report today. And Joe and I touched on this a little bit on the Hagman Daily Show. Uh, maybe you saw this as well. The Pope came out today with a very strange instruction, and he he admonished people, he instructed people not to to argue with Satan because he's smarter than you. And I, I don't know why, but for the last five minutes or so uh, while we've been listening to your teaching, that's been coming back to me over and over and over again. There's something, I can't line it all up, Pastor, but there's something about pride, what the Pope said, and this idea that there's a bunch of people out there that would that would think that they can argue with Satan. Correct me if I'm wrong, sir, but isn't the Holy Spirit our intercessor so that we don't have to argue with Satan? Would you care to comment Absolutely. on that? But, but you see, this is where, again, John, pride comes in. As I said earlier, it's not the flesh. That's, that's not what you're, that's what the devil's working through, but that's not the spirit. That's not the impetus behind it. It is the devil. When Jesus told Peter, when Peter said, this will never happen to you, when Jesus talked about going to the cross, he said, this will never happen to you. I'm going to fight, etc." Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. He wasn't calling Peter a devil. He would never call one of his children, Peter, an apostle. Would he call him a devil? No. He was talking to the devil that was influencing Peter's thinking. See? Again, I, I use the scripture there in Second Corinthians 10, 4, uh, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We've all made the statement, I thought I could do that. I, I, I thought I could succeed at that. Well, what did you do? Uh, Romans twelve three, Paul said this, For I say through the grace of God given to me, to every man that is among you, that a man ought not think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think soberly with sobriety, Think soberly, as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Because a, a, a man that's drinking will tell you he can run 60 miles an hour. But what's making him talk? That spirit. Why do they call liquor spirits? Because there are spirits that come in and affect your life and affect you negatively. Again, in the 16th chapter of Matthew, uh, Jesus asked the disciples, Who do men say that I am? Some say they're thus and thus. He said, but who do you say I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Okay, so here's Peter getting a spiritual revelation in Matthew chapter 16. But before the chapter even gets close to coming to a close, Jesus is sharing how he's going to go to Jerusalem, 
He's going to suffer many things of the elders, of the scribes, the chief priests, and be killed and rise again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto you. Jesus said, Get thee behind me, Satan. What was he doing? He was talking to the influence, the satanic influence that was suffering Peter to make those statements. Jude, the book of Jude, verse 9. Yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring a railing accusation against him, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. Now, theologians believe, why, but this is for certain, we know this, Jesus buried, uh, Jehovah buried Moses. Nobody knows where his bones are. That's why he buried him. He knew that Israel would dig up his bones, idolize him, make a, a god out of him. So God took him up into the mountain, and he buried him. And what greater undertaker, caretaker, could Moses have had than God Almighty to be his caretaker and, and put him in the ground and cover him up and hide him? So the devil is trying to find the bones of Moses. He's looking for the body of Moses. And so... Michael, the archangel, which is a warring angel, is warring with Satan, Lucifer. And so instead of him taking the authority, being an archangel, attacking Satan, he says he durst not bring an accusation against him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. So he took the authority of the Lord's name and rebuked the devil. And so we should take that, because we don't have the power in ourselves. And, 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 and I know uh, the reason I think the Pope would say that, and I'm not into Catholicism by no means, so nobody misconstrue my thoughts, my words. You can't reason in your humanity and defeat the devil. It's impossible. The reason being, he has 6,000 years of experience relative to human behavior. The devil comes to you and brings what he knows will work against you. He's not going to tempt me to rob a bank. I'm not going to get a gun and go down to the bank, put a mask on my face, say, hey, this is a hold up, give me money. I'm not going to do that. You're not going to do that, John, but he may put a, a, a trap, a snare. Hey, just tell this little lie, John, and let's just move on and forget it. See, he comes to our vulnerabilities. He, Satan is not going to attack you in your strong, your strong spot. I, I tell every Christian, Every newborn baby has a soft spot on their head. And we've had four children, my wife and I, and as I hold that infant in my hand, I would rub my hand over that baby's head, and I would find that soft spot. And it's just as soft as the back of your hand because the, the, the bone has not grown over and covered it, and that's the soft spot. Well, you have a soft spot in your life, spiritually speaking, and that's exactly where the devil's going. He's not going to attack you in your strength. He attacks you in your weaknesses. He's not an idiot. He, he knows how it works. He, he's, he's mastered this program. Every, look at every man in the Bible. I mean, from Adam on down. Noah, God bless him, got off the ark. What did he do? He got drunk. Abraham told a lie. You know, Lot was involved in, in incest. I mean, David committed adultery. You know, and, and there's just so much. You know, Peter denied Jesus, swearing, cursing, I don't know him. I mean, we're, we're just a bunch of failures in, 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 in looking back. But this is why it's called redemption. 
He takes the brokenness. He takes the, the weary. He takes the wounded. And, and we've got to see and understand, we cannot do this in ourselves. That's why we need to be praying. This battle is taking place over Washington, D.C. I've said it a thousand times. I'll say it again. D.C. stands for demonically controlled, and it is. I'm not trying to be funny or facetious. It's a reality. There's demon powers working up there. And can you imagine if they did take the president down and he was thoroughly impeached and ratified by the Senate? What kind of civil unrest would that cause in this nation? They, they Terrible civil unrest. Yeah, they impeached Bill Clinton in the Congress, but the democratically controlled House would not ratify. My January's newsletter is going to be shocking to look back over the last 20 years to what this nation has endured. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. Either go to my website or get it in the mail. But when you read my January 2018 newsletter, you're not going to believe. I, I just put down a few things that this nation has been through. I don't see how we've survived it. From his impeachment to all the horrific storms to Harvey and Emma this past year, I don't see how as a nation we have endured this. We're coming to an unraveling point. I don't know when, where. I believe it right now we're just under the mercy, the grace of God. But there's coming an unraveling. You know, Young I agree, people, Pastor, with what you just said about all the things that we've been through as a nation and continue to go through. Yet, you know, if you look at the, the economy seems to be improving, even though the, the debt hasn't. But, uh, you know, life goes on, it, it seems. And I think, you know, that is a, a testament to the Lord of the miracles he can work and if he continues to look at, with favor upon this nation you know we will continue to get through these things but when he stops that's when it will all go bad this is where individually and i know our time is gone individually we've got to keep our lives in order so that we can continue to obtain the grace of god when god is punishing the wicked or they're going through absolute hell you and i can be in our in our closet like israel was when the passover angel came through during the Passover, and death struck every household. See, he said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And, uh, you know, I just want to encourage people tonight. I know this has been a little bit of a broad spectrum of things that's been said, but I want you to understand this this is a spiritual battle. And, and, and though we get angry with this senator, this congressman, this leader, that leader, there's a, there's a spiritual wicked host behind this. That's bringing this, 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 this fomenting this rage, and he's stoking it. And I'm just concerned right now that instead of it abating this year, it's just going to spill over into next year, and, and the momentum will not cease. It'll pick. It'll just keep picking up. And once you get the inertia, you get you get momentum. Uh, some things can get out of control like a landslide, and you're not going to stop it. And uh, we we really need to be praying for God's protection and God's guidance. There's just a lot of a lot of things uh, going on, and, and, and it's up to keep ourselves. I'm going to give one more scripture, and I'm going to give it back to you guys. Okay. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 27, Paul said, But I keep under my body, and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. The word castaway and the word reprobate are the same Greek word, adikios. So a reprobate and a castaway are the same thing. Paul said, I don't want to become a reprobate after I've preached to others. I lose out with God myself. That's what he was saying. If you think I'm uh, misleading you, get your strong, exhaustive concordance, exegete 1 Corinthians 9, 27. 
to come up with the same words just like I do. And what an inspiring message. And, and the last two hours back-to-back with uh, Tawny Cullen in the book Josiah's Fire and now Pastor Langford, as he does each Wednesday, brings such a inspiring uh, word from the Lord. And, you know, we have to... The, the subject matter and all the things that you talked about tonight, Pastor Langford, are things we have to look at each in our individual lives and, and together as a family and as, as a community and to have that discernment, discernment to understand where it is, you know, our, our nation, our culture, our society is headed. And uh, unfortunately, you know, as the Christmas season uh, gets closer and closer, um, you know, we see these pushbacks against faith, against uh, the Lord. Where today I just read an article, a growing number of Americans say Chris- Christmas is not a religious holiday. And that is because God is being removed from everything that not only he established, but that he ordained uh, man to establish. And we see the effects of this uh, is continuing to increase at a rapid pace. And that spiritual darkness is filling in those gaps where uh, people are, are, you know, denying the Lord. And we have to continue to be uh, I would say, you know, def- not only defend our faith, but fight for our faith at every turn. Otherwise, you know, it could be us who are who is, um, you know, pulling God out of out of everything. And I want to thank you, Pastor Langford. And uh, I know you're not going to be with us for a few weeks. So if we don't talk to you, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. But I believe we I'm sure we'll we'll speak at some point. I certainly enjoyed being with uh, you and John on the program tonight, Doug. We, if you're listening, we miss having you with us, but I do enjoy the little bit of interaction that we have together. And everyone be blessed. Uh, I'm going to be traveling. I'm going to see some friends and family. So we'll be going the next three Wednesday nights. But pray for us, and we'll keep you covered in prayer. And, and, and consider setting aside some time in January to fast. And uh, let's ask God to help us get through the, the tempest. Amen. Well, we love you, Pastor Langford. Thank you so much for your time this evening. We love you God, guys. God bless you, and God bless Kim, Thank brother. Thank you so much, sir. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Bye. That was Pastor David Langford, thevoiceofevangelism.com. Don't forget, he has his own radio show that he does, The Voice of Evangelism. You can get that on his website or on Blog Talk Radio. And also, he mentioned his newsletter. Sign up for the newsletter. It, you can uh, write him a letter or sign up on his website. Uh, what a what a powerful and important tool to have. Well, that will do it for us tonight. I uh, want to thank everybody for, for joining us. John, thank you for, for filling in as uh, we had Kurt Schilling in segment two. Tony Cullen in hour two, who uh, that was just an awesome interview. And you want some inspiration. You want some hope. You want an, just a great story. Read Josiah's Fire at josiahsfire.com or go at least go back and listen to that interview if you missed it. It was a, an awesome guest. And then Pastor Langford closing us out strong as always. And want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening tonight. We'll be back tomorrow. We have a great show lined up for tomorrow. Steve Quayle and Derek Gilbert are going to be with us for two hours. But first, we're going to be joined by Keith Hansen, which uh, is always great. So a big day tomorrow. Don't forget the two shows. We have uh, the Doug Hagman radio show at 9 and the Joe and John's Hagman daily show which should be airing from 2 to 3, both on Blog Talk and on Global Star. We're going back to the other format because of the sound issues on Blog Talk. But thanks for your patience. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow.